Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, to today's stream where I have my special guest, Prince O. You can find him on YouTube and Instagram under that same name. And we're just going to have a nice, calm, casual conversation talking about how to win at love in life in 2024. In fact, in the pre-show, we were talking a bit about traveling. So if you notice, uh, this is simulcast to a few channels. So if you're one of my followers, then you know that I'm taking my brand in a new direction, but we're still going to tie in a lot of these topics too. So Prince, how how you doing? You ready to get going? Yeah, yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. And for my audience, if you're in the chat, say what's up, say hi. And we can we definitely have a ton of stuff we can talk about. We could talk about traveler, dating, lifestyle. I even see you talk about fitness. So there's a whole bunch of stuff we can talk about. Yeah, it's nice because when you kind of get going in this space, you realize a lot of the guys kind of have the a lot of things in common so like we're both into fitness we're both into travel likely both both into business we're doing the youtube thing although you, your channel i think's blown up since i saw you originally because you were on my radar i think it's been a couple of years that we started following each other and then we've we've never collaborated so may, maybe maybe first start talking about that how'd you get your channel started and what what's led to its relative success here very quickly so i kind of got my stand on channel started because Guys used to always just ask me, hit me up about dating advice. Yeah. And I'd be on the phone with guys for hours just talking about, hey, use this picture on dating app. Hey, this is what you say when you approach. Yo, this is what she did. This is where you can meet a place. So I just eventually just took that onto YouTube and started talking about that. Wanted to help guys with dating advice. And then over time, after talking to guys, I realized it's not really too much a dating advice that they're struggling with. It's a lifestyle. So <laughs> I kind of just branched that all. And then I started like 2018. And then I think my channel really took off during the pandemic when everyone was home. And then I made videos on texting and dating apps. So during that time period, it just went crazy. And I think a lot of like the big players in the industry actually lost their channel during that time period. So I kind of like souped in at the perfect timing. So that's kind of how I went. And then now it's just, I just been keeping the momentum and then just focus on lifestyle, traveling, dating, still helping, helping young men all the time. So yeah. What about you? Yeah, it was kind of the same thing. I was going through some stuff too. So we'll, we'll get into these topics when we start talking traveling. But uh, I lived in Mexico years ago, went to college down here, learned Spanish quickly, got really good at game really fast and thought I knew it. And then eventually my career took me back to the United States. I was in California, met a Colombian girl, ended up marrying the girl. And it turns out it was a green card marriage. So I was going through some stuff at that time. And that was difficult for me because I had done so well in my early 20s. I played baseball down here too when I was in college. So I did really well, didn't really... Looking back, I probably didn't really have game. I was just popular, though. Um, I was well-known around the campus, well-known around the city. Had a big house with a bunch of other foreigners. We had a bunch of really cool parties. So I never had any trouble. And then I found myself in this fraudulent green card marriage. Like, what the hell's going on? So it really started with me doing work on myself. And then I got really good again. And then just like you mentioned, guys started reaching out, saying things along the lines of, hey, you used to be in a bad place, not even a year ago. And now, God, you're crushing it. How are you doing that? So it's more like I'm more of a digital uh, online dating type guy. I do really well on that. I'm a digital marketer by trade at the corporate consulting level. So I think just the way my mind works naturally, I just kind of put things together between the integrations of the dating apps, the Instagram, the texting sequences, and I sequenced everything and then got to the point where it was almost automated. I was working in El Salvador during the pandemic and then it got to the point where just one after another started coming through and i realized okay there's a formula here there's a recipe there's a blueprint so i think you mentioned a lot of it was lifestyle at that time i wasn't making much money i was living out of a duffel bag and building an outsourced uh, call center in el salvador but i was just crushing it there so i refined that process dial it in and people started noticing and 
I touched some of the fitness topics too. I used to be I was severely overweight as a kid, lost a hundred pounds in a year, and then have just progressively gotten better since I did that initial weight loss. And yeah, kind of like you said, people just they notice things and then they ask you about it. And then I thought, well, it'd be much easier rather than me spending hours on the phone to just put it out there and then, hey, what do I how do I set up my Tinder? What do I text when she says this? Okay, just do a video and drop them a link. So that's kind of where I started. Yeah, and it's crazy. Guys always kind of have the same questions. How do you text a girl? What do I use for pictures? But how how did you figure out about that green card marriage? <laughs> how, like, don't you have to go through a stringent process to even prove that you guys are really low? Was she that good at faking it? Uh, I think I was going through a rough time at that time. So I had a business in California that we failed miserably. And then my brother's a wounded vet. So he was in a coma at the time. So I had other worries on my shoulders. I think that really fractured my game more than anything. I probably missed a lot of red flags. And I think at that time, I was just holding on to the idea of this girl can save me or this marriage gives me something to look forward to. Okay, I'll, I'll get out of the business failing. My brother eventually recovered. He's doing well now. And But during the time, it's like the world was falling upon my shoulders and I really didn't have an escape. So I think I just latched onto that fantasy I created in my head. And it turns out she had a boyfriend in Columbia the whole time. That's pretty, pretty common a lot of times in these green card type marriages. And I was in Houston, Texas at the time. She had a, she had a boyfriend there also. So actually she had a, uh, a cousin of hers. He's Colombian by blood, but Texas born and raised. So culturally kind of more like me and you. And he pulled, he, he invited me out to beers one night and he said, Hey man, you know, you seem like a really good guy and it's going to cause a lot of issues in my family, but I just got to, I got to break it down to you. You're, she's not your wife. She's not your girl. She never has been. Here's the kind of scam she's running. And he's like, from like bro to bro, you just, you got to get out of this. It's not going to end up well for you. So at that point I already had my suspicions, but once he, and he gave me evidence too, he gave me a lot of evidence. So at that point I called an attorney the next day and just, Hey, let's get, let's get out of this thing. So I think, I think I probably, once the, once the dust kind of settled from the ashes in the business failing. And then once my brother started making a healthy recovery, then I think I started opening my eyes more to, Oh, this is what's going on with this whole marriage thing. And then again, I had my suspicions. Uh, she was, she was never around. She started saying things like, Oh, you can't boss me around. Or you can't tell me what to do, or I don't feel safe with you. And then she went to live with her aunt and uncle there in town. So it eventually got to the point where like, okay, even if it was a real marriage, it's not the quality of marriage I would have wanted anyway. So it was time to get out of there. And I think, I don't know if you work on relationship stuff too. I know a lot of my guys, they have initial dating questions, but I'm moving or I will be moving on my channel more into actually having healthy, happy, long-term relationships, especially mm -hmm. in the intercultural context. But mm -hmm. at that time, at that time, I probably, I mean, to safely say, I don't think I really knew what I was doing, but once my eyes opened to that, and then I found these types of spaces, content such as yours, I started doing content such as mine to start w walking guys through the process. And then again, it, I, I turned it around really quick. I started getting really good, started really enjoying dating, but learning new things like, oh, you can have multiple long-term relationships. I didn't even know that was a possibility. And then sure enough, here I am years later and that model's worked very well for me. So it was really just... I think the catalyst to me starting my long overdue evolution process, I'd lost the weight when I was younger, put on the muscles, but I don't think I had updated the internal operating system yet. And again, that outlier experience in Guadalajara to where I was playing ball, I was really popular. I was dating the, the, the hottest chicks at college, despite not really having any game or having done the internal work that was more circumstantial. I think that's what led to me eventually getting that green card marriage and having that aha moment in regards to, looking at myself and saying, I'm, I'm not that guy. This is not what I want. And this is not the life I envisioned for myself. And we're going to, we're going to change this very quickly. Um, I'm sure. Have you worked with guys kind of in those situations, uh, yeah. divorce, 
guys, guys going through some some stuff. So I think most of the common situation that I've heard from most of the guys that coach is, hey, I really like this one woman, this one girl. Mm-hmm. How can I make her fall in love with me? But the thing is, once you start talking to them, you realize that she has a tons of red flags. She's barely texting back. She's always flaking. She seems to always have another excuse. She doesn't really like him that much, but she's just super beautiful. So she wants him. So I see that situation a lot. But even me, I think that's how all of us probably got in this in this phase, right? I, I got reject- back in the day, like I used to have a girl that I was dating. I thought she was super beautiful, super fine, right? And then I was ignoring all the red flags because I just thought she was looked so good. She was like g- gorgeous, right? And so what ends up happening, one day she like flaked on me. And then basically she basically hit me up at the end of the night again and then said, hey, um, I still want to meet up with you, right? Just randomly. So I'm like, okay, come here. I'm here. And then what ends up happening, she ends up seeing like one of her boyfriends, right? And then she's like, whoa, you was, he was like, whoa, you was just with me. Now you with him. And then from that moment on, I was like, yeah, you can't really ignore the red flags. Like, <laughs> like that, something bad could have happened during that time period. But I realized like, hey. Like if she has red flags, you always have to notice them. You can't just ignore them. And then once you start building yourself up to a certain way, like now I don't really deal with too much women who have much baggage or even toxic lifestyle because I built myself up to a point where like I kind of track women who are like me. Yeah, they. I've noticed that you get to a point. So we've all been in that situation. You have that underlying feeling in your gut and you ignore it. And guys, when you ignore that feeling, bad things are going to happen to you. So I've been on that side of the equation where, oh my God, this girl cheated on me. I can't believe it. And then all of a sudden you find yourself to where you're seeing a girl, you're vibing, she's coming in and out regularly, no headaches, no heartache, none of that stuff. And then you realize, oh, she has a boyfriend. And it's nice being on the other side of the equation, but having been on both sides of that equation, you start to see the full spectrum, the way things really work in the the dating realm or world. And that is a true wake up call. So a question earlier, a lot of me putting this stuff out there initially in my channel, although I am in the process of a rebrand right now was just to help guys out to save them the heartache that I went through. Cause it's just, it's not fun. And, and it pulls you back in all areas of your life. And now I've noticed that the girls that come into my life or onto my radar, I don't even attract those types of girls anymore. They, yeah. they don't even come near me. And then I seem to be better at picking them too. I, I don't have those sorts of things happen anymore. So it's a good spot to be in. Yeah. I've noticed that too. Like a lot of situation that most people are in, I just kind of avoid it from the beginning, just not bringing that headache into my life. And then like certain stuff, like I'll talk to guys, they'd be like, yeah, my girlfriend, she just went to Miami. Yeah. She just got a BBL. Yeah. She just got her butt mm-hmm. done, her, her rack done. And then I'm like, She's doing all this. <laughs> and then what ends up happening, she ends up leaving him. She, she's going on trips yep. and she can't even tell him. And like, you can kind of see it, but guys are so in love. They, they kind of ignore it. And that's, that's the one thing that I see a lot of guys doing. Yeah. They use the term beer goggles. It's more like love goggles or love blinders or something. But a lot of guys fall into that. And I, I've definitely been there too. Occasionally one will pop onto the radar though. She'll play chameleon for a bit. And then you start to kind of see signs or red flags pop up. And then eventually she does something where, where you think, okay, yeah, that's, you know, she, she somehow fell through the cracks, but we'll, we'll move on from this one. Do you, I have a question though. Do you, now that yeah. you're in, in Mexico, right? Do you still see mm-hmm. the same amount of red flags as you do as in America? Or is it just a different type of red flags? Uh, there are, there are quite a few cultural differences. So yes, you do see red flags, but they're different from the types of red flags you see in the U S. So for example, in the U S I was listening to a content creator earlier today, says something like where the mindset of the American woman is, Oh, I don't need no man. Or I need a man like a fish needs a bicycle. They don't really have that too much down here. Yes. They do have people that fall into that type of ideology, 
but that's kind of more politically motivated. So the way they use certain social classes in the U.S. to execute the will of more left-leaning politicians, they use the effinist movement down here. So um, they're, they're kind of interchangeable. But it's not really mainstream. And most girls you come across completely reject that ideology. But you are starting to see more, especially in Mexico City. There's a lot more foreigners down here. So when I was in Guadalajara almost 20 years ago, God, I'm getting up age uh it wasn't there weren't as many foreigners so you still had that novelty factor people were excited you were there they were interested in getting to meet you now i've seen some attitudes start to shift a bit more to where um well, i was at the park today and you go up and start talking to a girl uh she's been cold approached by plenty of foreigners already so it's kind of like oh god oh another one whereas back in the day when i was in guadalajara you'd come up and start talking to a girl and her face would light up oh my god oh this is so awesome and the hands all over you and she wants to show you off as a trophy. So things are changing in that regard. I think a lot of the U.S. cultural influence is making its way down here by way of media, by way of technology, and then by way of uh, there's quite a bit of immigration, American immigration coming down here now. Yeah, it's funny because when I was in Colombia, I kind of actually experienced that too as well. Like I went recently. So one thing is like apparently like back in the day, you could probably if you didn't know a language, you could probably take out your phone and go on translator. But now I have the little yellow pocket dictionary before smartphones. <laughs> I was down here. Oh, the, oh, disculpa, espera mi tantito, okay, and like look it up. <laughs> that probably took so long. <laughs> but yeah. girls found girls found it endearing, and actually, I have a roommate here. He's been in country for a couple months now, so he's, Span he's starting to get some his Spanish going. But uh, when he stumbles over words and doesn't know how to communicate, they find it endearing or almost disarming. Whereas me, I come in hot, and they're just like, whoa. <laughs> okay, like this guy knows what he's doing. He's not nervous. He's staring me in the eyes, spitting out the lines or lines I've used time and time again. I don't really, well, I don't really use lines. I run sequences. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but they can tell that, okay, this guy's probably an F boy. Where's my roommate? They, they say, <laughs> oh, 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 he's so cute. And when I was in Guadalajara, when I didn't know Spanish at all, I got that too. Oh, it's so cute. Oh, you're like a lost three year old. And now it's, now it's more along the lines of who the hell is this guy? Why are you coming on to me this way? Now, that means your Spanish is getting crazy. I mean, your Spanish is good. Your Spanish is amazing then. Yeah, it's it was be it was better years ago because I spoke at 100%, whereas now I work in English all day and then I'll walk I'll walk outside and someone starts talking to me and think, oh, you don't have to flip the switch and go back to Spanish real quick. But when I lived down here before, I'd go months without speaking English. And yeah, it was really good back then. Yeah, because it sounds like when you're able to like get that fuck boy vibe or the F boy vibe, it's like, you're able to put your personality into it. Cause like, I do know when I speak like a different yep. language, I'm not that good. I'm still trying to figure out what the words is. And I can't really put my swag or like my, my charisma. Yep. Into it. Yeah. But then back to the original point, like I was saying, like back in the day, you could go and then pull out your phone, but they'd be like, Oh, he's cute. He's, he's still trying to learn. Right. But now it's like, they have something called like, like a gringo hunter. They kind of have a bad connotation about that because yep. so many Americans have gone there, but it's kind of not like that in Brazil for say, we know, a little, I know more Portuguese than I do Spanish. So mm -hmm. it's not that same effect. They'll be like, Oh, he's still trying to learn a language, but you can also use your charisma, how you talk that way. Yeah. I think a lot of it comes down to the vibe, but I know, I mean, approached a girl yesterday in the gym and she, she was staring me up and down the whole time. And uh, so eventually we were kind of next to the same machines. I went and opened her be beautiful girl. And 
Turns out she's a Cuban actress down here and good interaction, good set, good eye contact. Kino real quickly. She was playing with her hair. She was touching me and making little jokes back and forth. And it, I, it was, I ran it as a longer set than I normally do because a mm. lot of, I don't do a lot of day gaming, but when I do, I think sometimes I come in a little too quick and I haven't built that confidence or that rapport yet. So I, I intentionally ran this set a little longer. She lives in the neighborhood. Obviously we go to the same gym and, uh, and the, the interaction went really really well so i think sometimes when you start to give off that f-boy vibe you kind of have to dial it back a bit is what i've noticed so i'm kind of playing around with some of my opening sequences some of my day game type sequences and again i don't use canned lines i'm I, i'm i'm good enough in spanish to be able to improvise on the spot and mm -hmm. I, I don't really stumble too much anymore but it's more so what what is what is the vibe like and if the vibe's high i ended that interaction as the vibe was high then maybe I'm more likely to run it forward and set the date, but still it's, it's a number numbers game, whether I lead source from referral day game, social game or online game, it's still mm -hmm. just a numbers game. Most of them aren't going to respond. Uh, you'll set dates. You have to set multiple dates. A lot of them will flake, but once they show up, then, then you got them. So it, like as most of your leads coming from a lot online then, because you say you don't do too much day gaming or are you even doing night gaming or. Yeah, um, I'd say the bulk majority still comes from online. I've scaled back my online use quite a bit. I'm focusing mm -hmm. more on growing my business and mm -hmm. doing more creative projects and just getting out there and meeting people, not trying to game them, girls and guys. I think I fell into the mindset for a while to where, oh, well, she's not hot enough for me to want to hook up with her or, oh, this guy's not cool enough to be a part of my inner circle to where I was kind of not living life to its fullest. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm doing some internal process uh, changes at the moment to where, yeah, I just want to go out and just meet people. I'll talk to everyone. I'll have a good time with everyone and just kind of see where it takes me. And I've noticed that by approaching it with that energy, I'm getting more, I'd say probably social game would be the best way to describe it leads. I don't go out too often. I'm not a huge drinker, but when I do, I do throw them back. So uh, maybe once a month I'll go out. But when I go out, it's the same thing. Just try to create a good vibe, have a good time. And then people usually will come to you or you'll, you'll bump into people. And I go to a lot of the same places. I hang out in the same social circles. So every time I go, there's a there's a company that puts on really cool uh, roof parties and they do a couple of months. So I usually go to all those. And as you, as you go to more and more, well, you know, the wait staff, you know, the bartender, you know, all, you know, all the DJs now you, you, I will get usually a handful of leads and then convert a couple in that next week. Well, now I know quite a few of the girls there. They, they drop promo videos. And in the first, there's one recently in the second shot, it's me with a girl in the pool. And then the other shot is a girl dancing with her sister. And I hooked up with that, that girl. And then at the end, it's me and another girl. I'm like, okay, so, but that's me working more kind of that social circle. And it's, and it's not necessarily going into it. Okay, here's my strategy. Here's my objective. I'm going to work it. It's more so, hey, it's a beautiful day. This is a cool venue. I'm friends with the DJs. I enjoy the vibe. I'm just going to go there and have a good time. And that seems to be adding more, not volume-wise. Online still gets me more leads volume-wise. But in terms of conversion, the conversion rate is much higher for those in-person ones. And on and online, um, just by sheer virtue of volume, the conversion rate isn't as high. But I'd say they're probably about equal between the different lead sources now. Yeah, one thing I do notice from guys who are like really just naturally just born like being good woman. One thing they do love doing is just simply talking to women. They don't care if she's ugly, if she's cute, or how she looks. They just generally just like talking to women. And one thing that does is like it gets them comfortable and they're able to get that social mm -hmm. circle because it brings social proof. So like that's one thing. But I've seen like a lot. Even me at one point it was like 
when you're just focused on like gaming, 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 you kind of get in this mindset like, oh, she cute. Am I saying this right line? Am I doing this? Oh, am I demonstrating high value? Keep on getting in your head. And then if you're not generally want to talk to a woman, it doesn't really always go that well. But I definitely agree with that. And I kind of do something similar too. I meet a lot of women by going to the gym. Usually I try to go to like different gyms throughout the city. So I did that too. The one yesterday, that was a brand new gym. They, oh. they have 38 locations like just here in the neighborhood. So yeah, we hop to different gyms. Have you gone to SmartFit? Yep, SmartFit. Yep. I'm playing black, <laughs> playing black all day. They have it in Colombia. They have it in Panama, El Salvador. You just you little thumbprint and poop. No, I use this finger. Poop. Nah, yeah, you're stuff. in. I go to every side. I go smart for one block down, another block down, another block down. But yeah, I try to go to. They have so many. There's three of them within a few blocks from me. So you just yeah, just rotate and there and there's some there's some high quality chicks there too. Best quality I've ever seen in my life. And they're normal. So you'll you'll see a beautiful girl. You'll get her Instagram. Like, oh, she probably has like 50,000 followers. No, 138 followers, three posts, and the account's private. She just just lives in the neighborhood. Just normal girl. It's funny when you when you kind of meet women in like America that are really like into the gym, you'll see that they're probably most likely going to be like a fitness influencer or like 10k yeah. followers. That's what I've kind of noticed. Yeah. But it's normal over there. But yeah, even like trying the, to the oh, one I yeah, the one I approached yesterday, you know, got got her WhatsApp, got her Instagram, went to see who she was. Uh, you know, a little later when I got home because I was busy. I was running errands after the gym, but mm-hmm. hit her up when I got home and a crazy amount of followers. Like, oh, she's a telenovela actress, but I, I didn't know any better, but a girl of equal hotness in the previous week I hit up, that's the one 138 followers, three posts, private account. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known any better. So sometimes I think with all digital, mm-hmm. you can get in your head a bit. And, and a lot of times the girls on Tinder, they have somewhat of a social media presence. They're playing the so, the online social game too, mm-hmm. to where, Okay, yeah, you get her info, you see her Instagram, and oh, you know, she's posting thirst traps, or oh, she's trying to get an OnlyFans off the ground, or oh, she's she's an online or digital thought. Whereas in real life, I don't know if she's an actress, I don't know if she's an engineer, I don't know if she works at the little Starbucks nearby. I have no idea. You just go and just go and talk to them. Even talk to a local guy at Starbucks, <laughs> that can lead to a bunch of success. But one thing I do like about online too is that you kind of get access to a woman that you probably would never got access to in person, but then you always, there's always a chance you're going to get a certain type of girl, but you might get one or few that lucky, just like a diamond and a rock, but you would never have access to them because they're just not in your social circle. They don't live in your city. Exactly. Yeah. Or they don't go out like that. Yeah. So that's actually most of the, most of the women I dated long-term have actually came from online, maybe a dating app or Instagram. <laughs> I do know I don't, this is like, I think it's, it's another, um, creator's method but when you go overseas and running instagram ads and that's that's the craziest thing i've heard of doing that so i'll do i'll do posts and stories and do the hashtag so i i launched a tiktok the other day i've done like two videos have 200 followers off of two of them mm-hmm. and uh, just the hashtags alone you're you're gonna get in front of new audiences and then the instagram game again i, I go to some pretty cool places hang out with some pretty cool people so when the dj shares a story with me and i reshare it or i tag the actual event location I'll mm-hmm. have girls actually pop in my DMs because I'm out with cool people. And it's that's again, it's not me trying to trying to uh, do the the star effort game. I lived in California for years. So you'd always have those people like, oh my God, dude, all oh, this is so and so. Like, I don't even know who that dude is. We're just having a good conversation. Leave me alone. So that's kind of how I approach it. But I do notice when I when I'm out in my analog world and I share that digitally, then I think digital is a good medium of communication to where people can find you. Where they otherwise wouldn't because i'll go to these events and then i'll have girls drop drop my dms 
and and say, hey, hey, you know, did he have a good time? Da, da, da. But there's so many people there. I didn't see her the entire time. But I post a story or um, uh, someone else posts a story with me in it. And then she's, oh, this guy hangs out with this guy. And oh, well, I oh, that this guy's my coworker, and this is a friend of my brother and we all went in this big group together and this guy's cool with them. So yeah, I'll see what his deal is. So that, that, so I think combining uh, kind of helps. Yeah. Instagram really definitely helpful. So any girl on me, I'll make sure she gets my Instagram, even on my profiles, I'll have my Instagram handle. But the thing I end up doing is like, sometimes I want to get her number, just tell her, add me on Instagram. So I might post some stories. I'm out, <laughs> maybe post some story about mm-hmm. I'm eating food, post some story about working out. They can see my body and eventually, or post some controversial stuff, like silly stuff, like Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts better than Starbucks or pineapples on pizza, right? But you end up having some girls who find you attractive sliding into your DM like, oh, no, no, that's not how you do it. Or they might give you a like or heart eyes or something like that. And eventually, I think that's like the best form of dating because like passive dating. So you're naturally coming to you. But in order to do this, you, your Instagram has to be to a certain level. You have to be somewhat good looking, but you should be working on yourself to get to that point and have an attractive lifestyle. But if you can get to that point where women are sliding your DMs, that's that's the best way. And then also, it's an easy way to reconnect with women that maybe you might have been texting and you I was just bring that up. Yeah. And then you just fell off. And then she might just slide in your DMs one day on comment a story. Oh, nice dog. Or you can comment on one of her stories and reconnect. That's happened so many times. Yeah, a lot of times I was telling a buddy earlier that I, I need to probably go through and clean up my Instagram. I considered it good when I when I redid it years ago, but now I've gotten better since then, and I'm not reflecting that appropriately. So I, I do need to do a refresh on on that again. And it, and it's a it's a constant reiteration. You're constantly updating it and upgrading it and archiving things and putting new stuff out there. And as men, we evolve too. I'm interested in different things now than I maybe was before, but. I've noticed that, for example, anyone who follows me, the, the, the one down below is my branded Instagram, but um, I can drop my, my personal one there too. On my one, personal- Jaren Scott? The, is that the one? Is that yeah, the Yeah, okay. yeah. At Jaren, at Jaren Scott's my personal one. I'm still trying to figure out how to separate the, separate the brands. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's like, oh, I just want to be Jaren Scott, but then right. I work in my professional life too, and then people type in Jaren Scott, and then you see videos, oh, how to oh, bang cougars in Mexico City, and just like, oh yeah, no, I don't want, I don't want my professional clients seeing that, so- oh. That there, uh, there, there's still a degree of uh, some degree of separation there. But um, anyone who follows my personal one, if I post a sunset, like a panning shot, I, I'm a huge fan of sunset. So I'll post a sunset, put some little deep house song on there. That usually gets me three, four, five inbound messages in terms of, hey, what are you doing tonight? Oh, are you in the neighborhood? Oh, beautiful view. Hey, come up and see it with me. Posting food. Oh, that looks really good. Yeah, it's a healthy yes. recipe of an unhealthy dish. Oh my God, you have to show me how to do that. Yeah, cool. Come over. I'll, I'll do it. My, my roommate's an Asian guy. So the other day he asked me, hey, this girl, I, I invited her straight to the house and she said that she wants to go get su- sushi in se- instead. I was like, bro, tell her that you'll teach her how to make sushi. He's like, oh, yeah, that's genius. So, so no matter what they say, you got to get him back. But like you said, it's a great way to reconnect because it's one thing to send her a text. That means you're in the moment. You're, she's on your mind. You're dedicated. You find her contact. You, you punch it out. But if you just post a story and you're doing something cool, um, again, when you're out doing cool stuff, tag the locations. If I go to a concert, I went to the Formula, not one, but E-Races, electric cars this last weekend. Hey, here here I am at the racetrack. We're getting ready for the race to start. We're here on this cool bend. I think there's going to be an accident. Who do you pick to win? I'm Porsche. My friend here. Hey, hola. Uh, She's she's Ferrari. Cool. Hey, what, what do you say? And then people drop in the DMs. Oh, cool. I'm at the races too. Oh, are you going to the concert afterwards? Oh, hey, what do you got going on? So uh, it's almost like when you're in high school and well, we had, we had off, we had off campus lunches, but when I was in middle school, we had all our entire 
grade would eat in the, at the cafeteria and you had the different tables. You had the cool kids and the popular kids and the goss and the nerds and the geeks and the musicians and, and, and so on. It's almost like a digital version of that where you don't have to physically get up anymore with your tray and then, oh, am I going to try to sit at the popular kids table? Are they going to kick me out? Oh, no. Like that's that, that's definitely a, um, a, a negative remark on your social cred in that physical environment. I kind of view online the same way. Just, hey, guys, we're here at this really cool event, just like going to house parties back in the day. You'd have to go around and meet and greet people. But now you just boop, drop a story, drop a pin, and then girls will like your stuff. They'll pop in your DMs. Uh, I also make sure, too, I'll go back before the story expires, see who's been liking my stories lately. Maybe it's a girl I tried to hit up a few months ago. Um, usually I'll go through and clean up my Instagram every now and then. I'll unfollow those girls. Hey, I tried twice to set a date. She flaked. One time, this happens every now and then. Oh, I ordered the Uber and then I never heard anything from her and I got charged a cancellation fee. Yeah, I'll just unfollow her, mentally forget about her. But she's been liking my last eight stories and then now she's dropping in my DMs. And then I'll change the sequence to more along the lines of, hey, if you're in the neighborhood, hit me up. And if I'm free, you can swing on by. But uh, you mm -hmm. just kind of change your approach based on that. But Instagram is a fantastic way to kind of keep, I think, those passive eyes on your potential options. Yeah, I definitely agree. And even if you post like one thing, posting a dog, you just walk. I don't have a dog. Anytime I'm with a dog, <laughs> yeah. walking it. Oh my God, DMs are crazy. Or even sometimes like you might just repost a funny meme or something like that. And mm -hmm. they'll start liking it or laughing at it. Or even sometimes, so I don't know, some guys might say not to do this, but I'll just like like one or two or three of her photos and see if she likes me back. If she does, I'll just slide in DMs. And that's usually usually a warm opening. So it's different ways. I think if you don't have an Instagram in today's society, you're, people are going to look at you weird. There's so much advantage to it. And for those guys who not, don't really have a solid Instagram, what I would recommend is like maybe if you can get to like around like more following than you have followers. So like maybe 700 to five, 700 followers and 500 fo following, but if you get to a thousand, that's probably better. And also try and post like high value lifestyles and your highlights, maybe post that you travel to different places, or you can post a workout one. You can post an eating one. Women don't really care too much about the workout one, a eating one, your restaurants, mm -hmm. your rooftop views, your maybe a dog, maybe you traveling, just post high stuff. So you have memory. So when they look at your profile, they go through it and at least make sure to have like five high value photos. You can have, if you, if you have a nice body, have a shirtless one, but maybe yeah. when you like a beach or something like this, that's a little more natural and then have a photo where like, you look like maybe high status, you could be dressed up, buttoned up. You don't have to be in a full suit, but just look like, like a formal F boy. <laughs> that's what I like to say. And then, <laughs> and then nowadays, like what well, Instagram, they, people are kind of doing like, you have your first photo and then you kind of like tell a story through your different photos. So like, mm -hmm. it might be one photo where like, it's a nice photo of you. And then you, you put, uh, you're in Brazil, you put Christ Redeemer, and then you put a restaurant and then you put just, you having joking around with some guys, maybe playing soccer. So it's like, you're telling a story and these are your highlight rooms. So this is how you can get your Instagram pretty decent. Yeah, it's a preview into your life. And I always say that in the digital world that she's going through, even on the dating apps or she's going through the Instagrams, she's trying to imagine herself stepping into your lifestyle because until you meet up in person, she's just pixels on a screen and you're just pixels on a screen. So you have to tell that story. You have to start to get that imagination going, thinking, okay, well, wow, this guy's just at a music festival in California. Now he went to the races in Mexico City, and then now he's in El Salvador. What's he doing there? Oh, he went to an international surf competition. Wait, now he's in Israel? He crossed into Palestine? This is before the war started. What? Who? I always say, 
it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. You want a girl to think, who the F is this guy? It could be, oh, who the F is this guy? Like she's intrigued or or on the opposite end of the equation to where, who the F is this guy? If you evoke that emotion and you get that imagination spinning, that's kind of what you want to do. And Instagram, I think, is the most efficient and effective way to tell that story. And you also mentioned too, it's funny, my, my roommate just walked in, but we were talking the other day in terms of, hey, can, we have to redo your kind of online dating presence because it's, it's, more, it's a digital brand of yourself mm. to where you need to have more F-boy vibes. So, oh, when she texts me this, what do I say? And I always bring it back to assuming she wants me that I'm the prize. And then no matter what she says, twist her words back into her coming straight to the house. And that, <laughs> that's, kind of, that's kind of more F-boy vibes. Yeah, I would say too, being an F-boy helps. But the main thing for guys who are trying to be F-boys, more so having edge. So a way you could have edge is like wear a leather jacket instead of your buttoning up blazer. Or like you could take a picture with a motorcycle. That kind of gives you more edge. I usually wear, I don't have my earrings in today, but having earrings sometimes give me a little more edge. So you just want to figure out how you can have more edge. You don't want to be that playful, funny guy. You want to be that guy who's like, Oh, he's, he can, he can do things to me. <laughs> yep. I, I'm a nerd by nature. So I think I, I saw, I was doing well in El Salvador in terms of volume for new girls coming in, kind of embodying that F boy type lifestyle. I've, I've started to dial it down a bit because there's other things I'm interested in that have nothing to do with dating. So I'm, I'm trying to level up in other areas of my life, but I still, I still run a pretty decent amount of volume, but a major mm -hmm. milestone for me years ago is realizing to where I thought, and a lot of guys knew this type of content. I thought I had to be the cool guy all the time. So mm -hmm. that so I was I, I was a I was a one trick pony. That, that I was a one act show or play. I was a movie that didn't really have a plot developed. So I was just the cool guy or the alpha guy, always alpha all the time. And then I realized once I started showing other sides of my personality. So I was an academic. I was a really good academic as a kid. I'm quite nerdy at my core. So once I started showing kind of the nerdy and dorky side, I think it disarmed girls a little bit. Like yeah, I still I led at the f boy vibes. And then they'd hook up. And then I got to the point where they started saying things like, oh, like, wow, I thought I was just going to come over for a quick lay or, oh, I thought it was just going to be a one-time thing. I'm like, damn it, I really like you. And I don't know why. And then I play guitar too. And I also sing. So I'll serenade them. I love sunsets. I just posted one tonight on TikTok. Love, love the beach thing. I love nature. I love hiking. I'll post pictures with my little nieces and nephews every now and then. So I'm showing different elements of my personality. And again, I, I think that's kind of a more full spectrum view in terms of who is this guy? He was just at the gun range and then now he's at a music festival and then now he's singing in Spanish and then now he's at some event giving a speech. What 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 is this guy's deal? Yeah, I think it's because like bringing like different emotions, sparking curiosity, making them ask questions how you were just saying. Mm -hmm. And for guys too, like you know if you get in a long-term relationship, you're going to have to be somewhat kind of romantic, right? A lot of guys will tell you be the big alpha male, be the big F boy, but realistically that's not going to be sustainable for long periods of time. You're probably going to have to. It's a hard act to keep up all the time. Some yeah. some days I just don't feel like being an alpha. Some days yeah. I just want to chill. I want to lay on the couch and you know watch TV, not really do much. I went to school for engineering. I'm a I'm a nerd. Yep. <laughs> like I'm yep. The nerdy a lot nerd. of guys in this space are. I've noticed that. Yeah. When you dig into their backgrounds. So keeping up the tough guy alpha is a nah. I'll, I'll have my pictures that make me look like it, but I'll act myself in person. And then I'll, I'm the type of guy who jokes around, smiles. So like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to be that. I'll be the alpha when I need to be. I'm exactly. Like, that. Yeah, that's alpha. what I call it. 
And, and I think knowing when to step into those different personas, I think is key too. So if, if someone's being, if a little old lady is coming up and talking to you, we were, we were, at, the, we were at the park today. And then I was, I was sitting on a ledge and out of the, this whole huge area, this little old lady comes up and sits right next to me. Okay. I'll have a little conversation with her, a little small talk or whatever. So I don't need to be always alpha all the time. Like, Oh, what are you doing? You couldn't sit somewhere else. And I think a lot of guys new to this type of stuff, sometimes they, they're used to being on more of the beta side of the equation for lack of a, of, of a better way to describe this. And I think sometimes they swing that pendulum too far to the extreme on the other side to where it comes off almost as inauthentic and it does work. It does work to get new lays, but then I found to, to maintain or, or it happened to where I'd meet a girl. I was like, Oh, I really like this girl. I like her for what I've seen of her so far to demonstrate who I really think she is. And that's more in line with who, what I, of what I really am. But I'm still putting on this facade of this persona. And then you're afraid to let that down. And then, and, and every now and then I will have a girl come through. I'll lead with the lead with kind of the alpha thing. And then once I start to let that veil down and show her more elements myself, she's gone. Like she just, she's, she just needs that constant fix. So you will come across girls like that, but I've found my relationships have gotten much better once I've been able to demonstrate various parts of myself or my personality. Exactly. I think, and I think one thing that a lot of guys struggle with coming in, I think, is that they don't really have women are really good at this they have boundaries right but guys don't yes. really kind of set their boundaries right they'll let a woman walk all over them or they won't have stuff that they, they have stuff they don't like and they won't say anything right and that's when kind of actually being the assertive guy helps you okay? like for example if you don't want her going on a girl trip tell her that or like even small stuff like if you don't like her <laughs> like if she calls you a partner and you don't like that say i'm not your partner i'm a man yeah. <laughs> kind of like stuff like that but Little stuff like that, setting your boundaries from the beginning goes a long way because if you set your, it's like, I have a friend who's a teacher and he said, when you're a teacher in a classroom, set your ground rules from the beginning, be strict in the beginning, but then you can soften up and they'll still have respect for you. So I think it's kind of like that. If you, as long as you know your boundaries, you can kind of like soften up. You don't have to be that big, tough guy every time. Yeah. And I do it in... Uh, for me, they're hard boundaries, but I'm soft when I deliver them in the sense. For, so for an example, I've seen a girl recently a couple months ago and she was hinting at that. Hey, you know, I like hanging out with you. I like to do this more, but I don't know if I want to do the casual thing forever. And I told her, uh, usually it's, it's along the lines of, Hey, you know, I like where we're at. I, I'd like to see where this keeps going, but just to let you know, since you brought that up, if we were to head in that direction, I'm not saying we're not, I'm saying it's heading that direction, but I don't date these types of girls. So she was still on tender. She was still putting in the thirst traps on Instagram, still acting kind of calling attention from other guys when we train together at the gym. So I just let her know that, Hey, that's okay. I, I hear, I hear what you say, but if you want to get to that position, here's how you do that. So I'm not, so, so it, I know it could sound a little beta to some guys who might be newer, but it's not me saying, Oh my God, I really want you. And Oh, well, I'll do anything to be with you. It's it, again, I see myself as the prize that, okay, I'm not looking for that right now, but I really like your vibe. I think we're compatible. I think we have a good time. Uh, I think we have a good time. We're together. I like hanging out with you and I'd like to do it more. So let's see where this goes. But just to let you know, if that's your end goal, then these are the things you need to start doing now. Otherwise we can just keep it casual for as long as you want. And then actually she, uh, she ultimately decided to keep it casual. So I have another question too. How do you go about like keeping multiple long-term LTRs, telling them straight up from the beginning and then how you, how you managing them? I've got to the point where they kind of just know. If that makes sense, uh, I think going back to that term, the F boy vibe, 
I try not to embody it as much anymore, but they, they, they kind of know they can tell when we go out together and other girls are looking at you or again, I'll take usually a plus one of these social events and I'm getting Instagrams from other girls and I'm mingling with the crowd. They can mm -hmm. tell, I think just by your general demeanor that, okay, this is, this is a guy that, that, that gets laid. And then also when you run volume, you're not as thirsty. So a lot of times when girls come over, when I was newer to it, it's like, oh my God, once she got in the door, yeah, I got to go, got to get to the bedroom. For me, I'll, I'll play it. I'll play it slow. And a lot of times I'm tired. Maybe I, maybe, maybe I had another girl that morning or the night before, and I'm not really that thirsty anymore. So just kind of, if I'm feeling it, we'll do it. If not, then no. And I think they can, they can tell. And again, I, I used the term earlier that there's two sides of the equation. So once you come and it sounds like you've done it too, once you come to the other side, then I think there's signs that girls pick up on also. Mm -hmm. And I've also noticed that girls can feel your internal state. So sure. when you're not, when you're not anxious, when you're not nervous, when you're not thirsty, when you're not desperate, they can pick up on that. And I think just by virtue of that alone, they realize that, okay, this guy has options and they, they usually, they usually get their game going. So again, things like, yeah, I still have, I have new girls flake every now and then, but if it's a girl I've been seeing for a bit, they, they rarely ever flake. And if they do something comes up, then they will be communicative throughout the day. Hey, you know what? Um, they work really long hours here in Mexico. So, Hey, it's the end of the month. Uh, usually if it's the end of the month, they're going to have some long nights at the office. So like, I expect that to happen. Hey, you know what? My boss is being an ass. I have to work really late. They don't get paid that well down here to where they're, they're stressed out or, oh, my dog's sick or uh, for the holidays. Hey, I didn't think I was going out of town, but my dad got us a place at the beach. So we're going to spend New Year's there. Hey, can I see you in the new year? Okay. Yeah, cool. So, but they're usually communicative. You don't have the you don't have that anxiety that, oh, does she like me? Is she going to text me back? What is she doing some kind of BS? You get mm -hmm. to the point where she can feel you. And then when, with more experience, you can kind of feel where she's at too. You can tell if she likes you or not. And then yeah. most of the girls that enter my life, they're on good behavior. I, things that I dealt with in the past years ago, they, they just don't come up anymore. Yeah, it sounds like you increase your lifestyle to the point where like the woman, the caliber of woman you get are definitely higher. But I think also, too, since you experienced all the, like the different flags back in the day, you kind of know what to look for. Because in my life, too, I don't experience that, too. Girls I'm dating aren't flaking anymore. But also, I hate when women flake, so I don't keep them around too much if they're flaking. Exactly. Yes. I unfollow them. I don't, I, I archive their chat and WhatsApp because yeah, that's something I don't like. So, yeah. Even, okay, yeah, she might be hot, but there's, there's hot girls everywhere. Like yeah. we're not compatible. That's not going to fit into my lifestyle. Yeah. I hate when people flick last minute. I'll even say something. Well, not even, I'll say something, but yeah. Also another thing too, uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Yeah, we, we can hit, we can clear out some of these comments and then um, guys, we're also going to open this up to Q and a here in a minute. So f feel free to pop your questions in the comments there. Or um, I mean, I suppose I can, I can put a link up here too. maybe we're at 41 minutes, maybe at the top of the hour, open it up to Q and a and people want to join. So let me see. Let's go here. Uh, yeah, th this is earlier. I mentioned uh, I'm getting older. Um, I'm 36 years old. I will be 37 here in a few months. So I don't feel old. I still feel like I still feel like I'm a kid. I still feel like I'm maybe graduating high school or my earlier years of college. But uh, especially down here, and I, I know a lot of guys. The goal is to to date younger girls well in these latin countries that's culturally acceptable and most younger girls prefer older guys so most of the girls i date are 18 to 23 so i'll, I'll, I'll notice i'll notice that i age myself i'll make references for example i guess there's a new mean girls movie so I had a girl over last night. She's 23. And she mentioned, oh, I went and saw Mean Girls. I was like, oh, are they replaying it in theaters? She's like, she's like, well, no, no, Mean Girls. I was like, well, but the original came out in like, what? I think I was in high school, like 2005, 2006. 
And, she, and, and it was something along the lines of, you know, what would her age be? Oh, she's like, oh yeah, I was like in kindergarten. I was five years old when that came out. It's like, so I'll make references that they don't, that they don't know. Uh, yeah. Or we'll be watching this. something on TV. I'll be like, oh, I remember, I'm, I remember when that happened. Oh yeah, no, I don't. I wasn't born yet. It's like, oh, okay. So yeah, I'm 36. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think most of the girls I'm dating are, because I'm only 28. So like, they'll be roughly around like maybe 20, 22 to 25, 26-ish, but never, it's not too much under 22. They're just in a different stage of life sometimes, but not, mm -hmm. not most of the times. So that's what I, I've definitely found. Yeah, I found 25 to 27 is kind of a more chill age too. They're not quite hitting that 30 milestone, but they're kind of out of the party phase and just, oh, look at me, look at me. They're they're trying to get careers going. They're trying to, they're coming into themselves as, as adult human beings. So I've found that that's kind of the sweet spot if you want something more long-term sustainability wise. But a lot, a lot of girls and, and a, lot, a lot of times guys, let's be honest, it, it comes down to sheer physical attraction. And then you have to have the good vibe. Then you have to have your game and you have to, you have to remain captivating and keep them around and know how to, how to ex execute those follow-up sequences for, in terms of retention. But, um, but yeah, a lot of, the, a lot of girls that come in, in and out of the house, they're 18 to 23, but ones I date longer term are probably like mid to, to later twenties. They're a little, so, little more mature. Do you, uh, the big trend on the internet I've seen, like the self dev community, the male advantage. Are you familiar with that? Uh, I'm familiar with that concept, but go ahead and lay it out there. <laughs> so the male advantage, basically, once you hit like 30, 36, you're going to be the prize. Well, you age good. You're going to be the prize. You're going to be when I hit 30. Guy. Yeah. The whole game changed. Well, oh, really? the night, the night before I turned 30, I was at, uh, I was at Coachella actually. And, uh, -huh. uh I was, I was sitting, we were in that we were doing camping still. So I was at the campsite. And, and I was just kind of, I do a lot of thinking too. So I was sitting by myself, you know, people were partying across the campsite and just some random girl, she's like a female version of Tom Petty. She comes up and this is in California. It's like, hi, like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, you know, like uh, we're here celebrating my dirty 30. And so, you know, it's actually counting down. And, uh, and, uh, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about it. Cause in my head, I thought like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm an old man. Like I'm an adult now the game's over. And this chick was so cool. And she's like, uh, again, you're how you're California kind of hippy dippy bohemian type vibe, but but I, I vibe with those people too. I, I like I have a hippie side of me also. So, uh, so this girl said something along the lines of, "Oh, she's like, well, let's do this." She's like, "She's like, how about?" She's like, "How about for your dirty 30, you spend the night with me?" She's like, "We don't have to talk. We don't have to get to know each other. I won't even tell you my name." She's like, "But that'll be something you always remember." And here I am telling the story now. So, so not only was that a great night, I was like, okay. And then, and I saw very quickly when I turned 30, because about, about 30, I consider a man an, an adult. Yeah, it's technically 18 in the US, but it's about 30 to where you're like, oh shit, like I'm an actual adult now. I have to start coming. I have to start acting like it. I have to start taking life seriously and be proactive about it. But, um, so the, the game changed entirely for me. But at that point, what I also learned from that experience that, oh, okay, this girl gave me a story I can keep telling. So I incorporated that into my kind of internal game operating system too. just give her really cool experiences, give her stories. She tells her, her girlfriends about her friends, about her coworkers, like, who is this guy? Oh, can you believe he did this? And it doesn't have to be expensive, but, uh, but this girl, yeah, to this day, I don't know her name. We didn't exchange contact information. That was the deal she made me. And it's like, all right, yeah, we'll do it. And that's how I, I brought in my dirty 30, but then in terms of quality and volume, it just, it got a lot easier and it's something I really don't have to think about too much anymore. And then as I get older, it gets easier, but you're wow. constantly improving yourself too. You're yeah. increasing your status. If you, if you take care of yourself, you can actually age quite well. You become mm. more mature, your financial position mm. increases. And I think at the core, you just become more at ease with yourself as a person. Mm-hmm.
Yeah, I've noticed that too, because I'm only 28 though, but I've noticed as I got older, one, the quality of woman, I've definitely changed, but even my whole mindset, probably less, pa um, more patient, um, not too anxious, not too always worried about women. So like different, even like my quality of life has definitely changed. Like right now, I don't need no help with anything. Like I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a man now, but I can see yeah. like how, if you keep on working on yourself, you can get better. But my mindset says I'm not 30 yet. I'm always like, why can't I win right now? <laughs> like I've been winning since oh, I was yeah. younger. I, you don't have to wait till your your late thirties to win, but it's still everyone I talk to in my late thirties. If they worked on yourself, they're crushing it. Like I have one friend who I told you he was in Mexico. Now he's in Colombia. Now he's in Brazil. Man, he's like 36, 37. He's like, man, he's crushing it. He never even thinks about getting married. I have another friend who's like, I asked him, like, you're gonna marry? He's like, Why in the world would I get married? I worked on myself for so long. Like it's hard to find a woman that's even on my level nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. And then as you keep working on yourself, the women get better and the process becomes easier. And, and it's to the point where for like the last three years now, and the new year comes in, I always say, okay, I'm not going to focus on dating anymore. And then it's like, doo -doo, you unlock a new level. It's where it just becomes even easier. It's like, I'm not really doing anything. I'm not putting myself out there on the dating market. If I, if I walk across a girl in my day-to-day -day life, like, oh, she's cute. She gave me an IOI. I'll go talk to her. I'll pull up Tinder every now and then if I'm on the toilet or in a taxi, but I like, I don't spend a lot of time or energy on it anymore. My volume hasn't gone down and my quality has gone up. And in terms of acquisition, my, my effort has gone down considerably to where it's just, it's just kind of a part of who I am now. And I think that's the advantage of, of getting older and it's that confidence, but confidence really just comes from experience when you've put in the reps. So same way. I mean, you obviously work out too, to where I used to have to beat my ass up in the gym, but I've maintained a decent physique for so many years now that I really just have to make sure I don't get fat, keep the diet clean, you know, train a couple of times a week, but I can go out and play sports. I can go for runs. I can go for walks. I can take a few days off and it, does, it doesn't really change my physique anymore because that muscle memory is there. And I think that muscle memory exists when it turned in terms of, of dating as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree with that. As I got older, my options definitely got better. I will say that. Yeah, even with fitness, like <laughs> I remember once I hit 225 for the first time, I was so happy. But even now, it's a lot easier to do it now. Yeah, I don't train that heavy anymore because I have old lingering sports injuries. But the uh, the other day, we did a, a massive carb load on Sunday. So Monday, it was like, all right, I'll get on the incline bench. And I think in my 20s, I used to train maybe 175 to 190. I, I, I busted out 225 by three sets of 10 on the incline bench. I haven't tried to do 225 in years. It's been a long time. But when I was much younger, I was more about the, the ego lifting, like put the weight on the bar, go as high as you can. So that 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 the whatever, that central nervous system, like the tendons, the fibers, the muscle, muscle tissue, it mm -hmm. just started firing like it did years ago. But I don't really train that anymore. I'm more about flexibility, mobility, and my goal is to age gracefully, but when they put the weight on the bar, I can still do it. So I think there is something to that, that I had done it so many times in the past that it just, it just comes right back. Kind of, they use the analogy, like riding a bicycle. Like I can't remember the last time I rode a bicycle, but when I get on one, I'm not going to fall over. Yeah, not for sure. Yeah. How much do you weigh right now? Um, I am, oh, I haven't weighed myself in a few days. I believe I'm around 195. I wanted to, I wanted to get down to 190 and be around 10, 12% body fat, which uh, we took some pictures today. My abs are starting to get etched out again. So uh, it was funny uh, with my roommate, we did a, we did a mini bulk, which for me, I gain weight really fast. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was, I was bulking like I used to in college, but I've already kind of got the underlying mass. So six weeks in, I, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to bring my calories back to maintenance. I'm going to work on recomping. So mm -hmm. I, I went up six kilos real quick and then came back down to the, my starting weight, but my lifts kept going up again. 
And then I was slowly recomping. And then this time around, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to do the same cut that I do every year, usually for music festivals or beach events, running the same exact cut, but I'm still holding the weight and getting stronger. So I think I'm just doing an extended recomp. Uh, but my, my goal, usually I'm 10% body fat at 184 to 186 pounds. I want to be 10% body fat at 190. And I'm, I'm around 195 now. Yeah, that sounds about, I mean, and I'm 5'11". Yeah, that's yeah. good as well. Yeah, I'm like one, I was like 180, like a few months ago, but I lost like a, a lot of weight. So I'm like 170, but like around like 12%, 13. But when I'm like 180, 185, that's when I'm like, <laughs> that's when I look pretty much when I look full. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, exactly. And it's, and it's yeah. funny, you know, you know, so when you cut a lot of times you feel, you feel like you're flat, you feel like you're not as big and strong and, yeah. and forceful, but people will be, people will come up to you and say, wow, oh my God, have you gotten stronger? I'm like, I'm actually 30 pounds. Cause I used to do real bulk and cut cycles. So yeah. I bulk up to like 225, 230, and then have to cut down to 190, which sucks. So yeah. I don't do that anymore. I don't do bulks and cuts anymore. I, I'm maybe I'm between 190 and 200 most of the time. So it's really about like how, like how, how lean do I want to be in the winter time? I'll let myself go a bit. And then when the sun starts coming out and pool parties start firing up, uh, yeah, I've got a, I look good at the shirt off. Has it been different from what you're eating in like Mexico versus in America? Is it easier to lose weight in Mexico? Cause I heard the food is cleaner, right? Uh, Cleaner in what regard? So like a lot of times North Americans use the idea of clean in terms of, I use, uh, I use the word sterile. So American food feels sterile. You hear, I have a buddy coming down this weekend and he asked me, sent me a DM, I need to do a video on this. How do I, how do I prevent Montezuma's revenge? And to be honest, I can't remember the last time I've had diarrhea in Mexico, but I've been down here so long that your flora and fauna and your gut bacteria, it adjusts to the, to the new local cuisine. So a lot of times it doesn't necessarily mean Mexico food's bad. I think they probably cause it's spicy and people equate that with, Oh, it's going to make my bowels upset. But if you've never been here before, you are going to a new country. You're introducing new bacteria, new flora, new fauna to your gut biome. You likely will. I always tell my friends, like, don't think you can safely fart for the first week, like readjust your butthole sensitivity because you will shit your pants and everyone does it. And, uh, but, but eventually you get to the point to where your, your system gets used to it. And I've noticed, like, I have some bananas here on the counter. We bought them last night, woke up this morning. They're already brown. I have to use them tonight. I didn't plan on eating bananas. Maybe I'll make like some protein pancakes or something, but Actually, I'm going to do that. I'm trying to figure out what's for dinner. That's what I'm doing. But uh, but the, the fruit goes bad very quickly, whereas uh, there's things I bought in the U.S. I think when I was in San Diego, oh. I bought some hot dog buns. They ended up like way back in the cabinet. When I was moving away, I pulled them out. I was like, when was the expiration date? It was something like eight months ago and no mold, no whatever. So the, the what I always say is that food in most parts outside of the U.S., in the U.S., we say, okay, our food's clean, but that's because it's pasteurized. It's sterilized. It's It has preservatives and chemicals and things put in it to extend – shelf life and and profitability whereas down here we i get most of my food from the local butcher the mo local market so if i buy meat today i have to cook it today otherwise it's bad tomorrow my fruit that i buy today has to get eaten today and i think that's how it should be um i, I always use the analogy of uh, your food's alive so like you derive energy from your food you need to ingest things that are living breathing maybe moving earlier this morning type organisms where in the u.s and I feel it in my system. I was home for Christmas to where when I go home, it clogs me up. It, I feel lethargic and slow and, and, and that allow, and I think it's just because it's so nuked and chemicalized, if that's a real word to where it doesn't, your system doesn't process it as well. So I think my system processes Mexican food much more efficiently. Mm -hmm. Um, that may upset your stomach at first for the first couple of days while you're here, but you do get used to it. But I definitely notice a difference when I go back to the U S I feel very uncomfortable for the first three days or so because 
the, the person who's new to Mexico is like, oh no, everything moves through me really quickly. It's like, that, that's good. You're not yeah. supposed to have a bunch of backed up food sitting in your colon. That's why colon cancer rates are so high in the US to yeah. where when you get used to that, like whatever I eat tonight will come out tomorrow morning. I go to the US and it's three days and I feel clogged up and like, it's very uncomfortable. So um, so by clean, I think the food's probably not as clean, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a living organism is kind of how I see it. I know scientifically that doesn't make sense, but that's how I view it. What I meant by, I was talking about like us food is mainly processed. So I yeah, that's thinking, what I, that's what I was referring to. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was yeah. thinking. Mexican food would probably be more easier to digest, which would help with losing more weight. So that's how I was processing originally. Cause if you ever, I've seen a video where yeah, like there's more whole foods. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a video where like, it's a comparison the average man in Europe versus the average man in America. Yeah, he might look more buff and bigger, but he's generally bigger than the European guy who looks fairly slim. And I think it's because of the food mainly. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. And I've noticed um, when I lived down here before, because I played sports down here. So as a gringo, I came down, I noticed that pound for pound, I was just a little bit bigger, a little bit faster, a little bit stronger. And when I was in El Salvador, I was doing uh, some Brazilian brazilian jiu-jitsu sessions and same thing my, my sparring partner pound for pound weighed the same we're roughly the same in the gym uh but just a, i i think more like kind of tensile strength to use maybe an engineering term but i was like i was just a little more dense and just a little stronger and had a little more stamina and i think that has to do with your upbringing in terms of the diet to where they use the term like corn-fed boys in the u.s u.s boys are big like i'm usually the biggest guy or one of the biggest guys in any gym i go to down here I just get off the airplane in some place like Houston. I'm like, holy hell, these are some big boys here in the South. It yeah. doesn't doesn't matter if they played sports or not, how much they train. They're just big people. And I think that does have to do with diet. And I noticed that when I played sports in Mexico to where as compared – well, I had friends that were Mexican by blood, if that makes sense, but born and raised in the U.S. So they grew up on the same diet and the same culture and the same circumstances I did, although – genetically they're the same as my classmates in Guadalajara. And I noticed when you put an LA born and bred Mexican next to like a Guadalajara born and bred Mexican, same thing. And I noticed that very early in my experience down here that pound for pound, just a little bigger, little taller, little wider teeth, little cleaner skin. So um, I think that, that that's changed in the last 20 years because US food is, is, is terrible now. But I think that does some have something to do with it, like the GMOs and like the whatever, the hormones they put in the meat. But I've noticed in general that Americans, because I did my DNA test. I'm like mostly European. Surprise, surprise. You know, I'm a light skinned guy. But when I go to Europe, I'm bigger than other people from the countries where my bloodline says I'm from. Yeah, I definitely noticed that too. A lot of my friends will ask me like, hey, if I go down to Brazil, is it going to be safe? I'm like, yeah, it's going to be safe. And I'm like, you might even blend in. But I was like, then they will ask me more deeper questions. I'd be like, but the reality is they're going to know you're American just off the fact that they know you're just bigger than them. Like you might look like them, but you're just generally just going to be bigger than them, most Brazilians. And that's how they're really going to know. And I remember one time I was in a gym in Colombia. A guy, I was working out. I think I was just doing like this, right? To work uh -huh. on, my, on my lower chest, right? And then he just, he's like, what does this work on? And then I just saw him from everywhere I walked from the corner of my eyes. He was just copying every workout I was doing because I guess he was I see that to a lot too. Yeah, funny. <laughs> I think he was just trying to get to, I'm not that big at all, but he's trying to get to my size. Yeah, I'm naturally bigger. So for me, I'm on the other end of the equation to where I'm constantly trying to reduce calories and just trying to stay on the leaner side. Um, that It used to be tough for me. I've done it for so long now that it's not so much, but mm -hmm. I'm 
195 to 200 pounds. And I usually eat two, 2000 calories a day and I don't lose my gains. Whereas if I get up around, according to like my, 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 uh, basal metabolic rate, resting metabolic rate and the TDEE, the total, total, total daily expenditure of energy. That's the number I go after according to those tests. Cause I'll get the DEXA scans and get those other tests done. According to that, I'm at anywhere from 3,000 to 3,300 a day for maintenance. But again, wow. I'm getting more into the um, anti-aging and longevity stuff. So I believe when they do studies on the Mediterranean diet or the Japanese diets that the key, no matter what country you're looking at, it's something like you need to consume two-third of the calories that you should for maintenance if you want to enact those whatever they are, genetic processes to extend your lifeline. So I'm more in that mindset and I've found, and I think it goes back to, again, I was, a, I was overweight as a kid, severely overweight. So I think you kind of set your base in those initial years of your upbringing to where, okay, my body, my body is primed to grow. So I don't have to maybe give it as much calories. I can scale back and then it's just not going to, it's not going to get as fat. Okay. That makes Again, sense. that's all bro science. That's all stuff up in my head, but I do track everything. And I, and I make, I, I go back through my lifting logs and my diet logs and then make these inferences. So it might be, it's different for different body types, different people, different circumstances. But for me, that's what I've noticed. Okay. Like I actually don't eat a lot. Uh, a lot of girls I date that are just getting into the gym, they're mm -hmm. eating roughly as much as I am. And there's, they, they still have like the perfect Latin feminine shape and wow. you know, they're growing a lot of girls I train with. They, they have a nice back. So a lot of girls will come up to me in the gym, show me your back routine. And within a few months, they have a back like mine. So I think there is something to that. It's a, in terms of introducing the same variables, diet, training, uh, rest, and, and all that stuff. Yeah, for me, I'm like, I would, I would, I'm naturally on a skinny frame, so the hard gainers. So I naturally, all I have to really focus on is getting my protein amount, and then I can just backfill with any carbs. Or that's what I do too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, you said that's what you do too? Yeah. Um, pro protein. So today I, I changed up my routine this time around. So a, a lot of times when I cut now, I'll do carb and calorie cycling. Mm -hmm. So this time around, uh, my buddy and I were doing a push pull legs and mm -hmm. uh, we're doing only three days in the gym. We're building in a free day to where we go to the gym. I like to do, especially when I start getting leaner, because you start seeing muscles. You're like, Oh, that muscles that no one trains that you maybe don't hit, uh, from an isolation standpoint, when you're doing your complex or your compound lifts, to where, okay, well, I want to work my, uh, in baseball, we used to, I can't see it, but the brachialis, it's, it's, it's this guy right here. It's not my biceps over here. My brachialis is this guy right here. So I'm going to do like isolation lifts for my brachialis. I'll work my calves. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe I'll make my traps a bit more defined. So we threw in a free day too. So, um, and then we structured the workouts to where my free day, like my, my glutes don't grow and my lower chest doesn't grow. My upper chest grows, but my lower chest doesn't grow. So a supplemental day to where I add a bit more volume. And then I also make that my refeed day mm -hmm. to, to move those lagging body parts along. And then on the off days, I do active rest days. So today we went, we jog, we jogged some Hills and went on a two hour walk. I'm, I'm, I'm fasted all day. I had a cup of black coffee this morning. No sugar, no cream, not, none of that. And then on my, so in my mind, I have, okay, there's muscle maintenance days, there's lagging muscle part building days, and then there's fat loss days. Mm -hmm. So that that's worked for me for the last few years now in terms of when I say, okay, I'm at 13% body fat, I want to get down to nine or 10. The carb and calorie cycling works pretty well for me. And then yeah. I do one meal a day fasting. Yeah, I do something similar. But for, for the muscle parts that I don't really work out on, like for example, like I don't really work too much on my forearms, so I just end up doing like a superset. I just throwing them into a lot of my workouts. But recently, I've been liking to get into more calisthenics because I've just got bored of like other stuff. So I've been yeah. doing a lot of weighted pull-ups, a lot of trying to do like front lever. I'm trying to work on the handstand, so I've been throwing that into some of my workouts. But still, 
hitting my main compound work. I'm doing a little more of a push-pull hybrid, so like an upper body leg push-pull, then a leg, and then like a rest mm-hmm. day. So that's what I'm kind of like doing throughout the week. So <laughs> the, I think I think most of the workouts are all kind of the same. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed. I think it's within your genetic blueprint exactly how your body is going to operate from a peak performance standpoint. So it's really just giving it the things it needs to allow those genes to express themselves. Because I've noticed last seven, eight years or so that no matter what I do, I pretty much look the same. I just need to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Same. But having a good, I'm not going to, you said your upper chest grows way better than your lower chest. I think having a good upper chest really does help. Cause especially I'm stronger on the inclined bench press than I am on the flat bench for like I, my chest doesn't grow. It doesn't grow dense, but it'll grow wide and it'll grow up. Uh, yeah, when you said two, I think you said two ten or two twenty five on the incline. Yeah, you added two plates on the incline. That, that that surprised me too. Yeah, I can't even do that. <laughs> that, that was a day, that was a day after a refeed day, so I did half a box of donuts and a whole pizza. And uh, I, I learned that years ago when the the first time around when I used to be a fat kid, so I used to always tell myself it's impossible to get a six pack. And then one one winter, I I said, okay, the, before music festival season starts, damn it, I'm going to get a six pack. And I mm-hmm. charted and tracked everything, and then I was. And there's different levels of, of the, your fitness journey too. So I was looking at, you mentioned that uh, in the gym, a lot of the girls are fitness influencers. So, okay, for legs, like I've always had really big, strong legs, but they were blocky and not really defined. So I shifted my mindset. How do I want to define my legs? I'll just do Instagram butt model workouts. And turns out as a guy, like I, I had striations in my glutes. I've, I'd never had those before. And then you learn, you just kind of lock that in. A trick for me for the legs was, okay, do your leg Instagram butt model workout and then ride a bike, single speed beach, beach cruiser, and mm-hmm. then ride it immediately afterwards. It burns, it tears your legs up, but I got really defined doing that. So I think it, it goes back again, what I've been referring to time and time again is experience tr- doing it the first time around training that muscle memory. And then eventually you, you just have it down and things kind of fall into line to where I, I wake up and say, okay, well, what's the date today? Mid January by, I have a music festival at the end of February. I want to look like this and I want to perform like this, but you did mention calisthenics. Part of me, I, I have friends that are more that hard gainer type build to where they're doing the handstands, they're doing the splits and all sorts of stuff. It's easier for hard gainers. Like, yeah, maybe in the fat guy growing up, I'm not coordinated either. So I would <laughs> say my my body doesn't move well through space, but it moves objects very well through space. Uh, let me say, yeah, since I've been young, I've been able to hit tons and tons of pull up. So like, there's always just something I've been able to do. Yeah. I do more of them when I get lighter. When when I used to do the bulk and cut, so I'm very I'm very very strong at two twenty two thirty, but I can't do a pull up. But when I'm down one eighty one eighty five, I can do pull ups all day long. So it's just, it, but which is funny because then I'll start doing weighted pull ups. But I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well I couldn't do this when I was two twenty, but I'm essentially pulling up two twenty when I have the the thing around my belt. So it's, it's kind oh, of that- funny how that works. I think your body responds differently based on kind of the composition of the mass it's carrying around. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I will say one thing I love about the way put that gets your back like crazy. Like, yeah, I get your that. Like, that's one thing I started training, and like a year it transformed the way my back is was set up. <laughs> yeah, and then alter their grips too. So I was, uh, so I was, uh, I've been seeing a girl for the last few months. She's new to the gym, and she's she's a hard gainer, a skinny little girl, and she's starting to look really nice, really fast. But in terms of okay, if you want to build, you know, up and down the spine, you know, kind of come in reverse or whatever. If you want to build your back wide, go out wider, and you'll you'll get this connective tissue coming up. So. uh 
and, and, and it's really cool. I kind of look at the human body as a work of art. And when you look at your own body that way, it's more along the lines of I'm a master sculptor. How do mm. I want to craft this thing? How, would I, how do I want to create this vehicle, this vessel that I'm inhabiting for this short time on earth? And I think once I adopted that mindset, then it's fun. Um, I, we, we, today was a, a, a fat loss day for me, but I, I really do miss going to the gym sometimes. Like oh. I, I like lifting weights. I love going to the gym. That's probably one of my highlights of my day every day. Oh, that's the high point of my day. That's why I start my day with it. And I think most men should. Like the way we're talking about working backwards from where you want to be, if you want the nice booty, go on Instagram, the Instagram girls, see what they're doing. Or if you want better legs, do that. But guys should start like working backwards wherever what they want in life. Like, for example, like let's say they want to go to Mexico City, work backwards. How can you get there? Do you have to get a remote yeah. job? Do you have to get online income and then work backwards from there? If you want a beautiful woman for a long term relationship that's, um, feminine, friendly, submissive, and you went to America, what what qualities do you need to get that? Where can you go meet them? You're probably not going to meet them at the nightclub. You might not meet them online. Where can you go meet them? Are you going to go meet them at a library? Are you going to meet them at a book club? Are you going to meet them at a salsa class? So like, you want to work backwards for every aspect of your life. I think that's a great one. I use that for guys. Again, I'm better at coaching guys, although I, I've gotten some lean gainers pretty big, pretty fast. Uh, but I'm better at coaching guys that have significant amounts of weight to lose. Um, mm -hmm. That's not the primary positioning of the brand or where I'm trying to take my channel. But I've, I, I've done that before. I lost a, almost 100 pounds in a year when I was like 16, 17, going on to 18. So, And I did it when I was young, and I've, I've kept it off. So I'll help guys with that. And a lot of times it's a mindset shift where the Hey man, I'm 280 pounds or I was 285 pounds. Now I'm down to 210 pounds and looking pretty good. I'm like, yeah, but you're still significantly overweight. So you don't want to, you don't want to suck the wind out of their sails. But for the mindset shift, I always tell them, or you'll hear guys, oh, I have to go on a diet. Like for me, I'm, I'm not on a diet. I have my regular diet, which is a healthy diet. So, but when I go off diet, then I say, okay, I went off diet. Now I'm back on my normal diet. So like little mm -hmm. mindset shift. And then for, for these guys, a lot of times they'll lose all the, they'll lose a bunch of weight and they're feeling real good about themselves, but they'll, they'll stall out because there's different considerations for different body fat percentages. So, okay, you got from 38 down to 18%. Now we need you down to 15%. Here's those considerations. And I always tell them in their head, like, oh, I have to cut two more calories, 200 more calories out of the diet, 300, whatever it is, how many, how, however many more calories out of the diet. Like, no, no, you're not cutting anything from your diet. You've already mapped out your ideal dimensions and how you want to look and feel and live life. You just need to eat like that 180-pound guy that's underneath that fat. So you're not mm -hmm. cutting anything. Yeah, you're 210 right now, but you're going to feed the 180-pound version of you and just keep doing that. And I've noticed with myself, that's a lot easier to do. And with the handful of guys I've coached through significant fat loss, that's been a lot easier for them too. Yeah. So that, that goes back to what you're saying, the reverse engineering. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I've never, I've never coached anyone who's like, super like losing 60 to 70 80 pounds i haven't done too much fitness coaching but i will say most of the guys i get that want to work on dating they've had some success in their life but now they're trying to go from that success to like they're getting the quality woman they're getting way better versus i've always wanted to work with the guys who like had zero success and then have a complete transformation i've had some of those guys but but book of my book of the guys i'm working with they've had some success but they want to expedite it now I've gotten to the point and I'm trying to find more content creators on, on the web. And th there are a couple of guys that, that come to mind to where, okay, I have success as per the definition I set out years ago in terms of, I want to be able to date whoever I want, whenever I want. I don't want flakes. I want girls coming straight to the house. I'm able to do that. I want a rotational MLTRs, but then it gets to the point where, okay, that's kind of getting the best of me. How do I scale that back? 
Mm-hmm. It's almost it's almost like the guy who wins the millionaire or the wins the lotto and then blows all of his money because he hasn't developed financial discipline. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like that too. Like, okay, I'm having too much success. I how do I scale that back? How do I filter them out to where for me on paper on the surface level, yeah, I'm interested in all of them. But how do I really dial that in to where I only have a handful of girls or maybe even at some point that mm-hmm. one girl in my life? How do you how do you bring that back in? And there's not a lot of stuff on the internet. It's always about oh well. They're 304s, or she's just going to break your heart, or she's a gold digger. They're going to take your money, or they're going to bring you over, rake you over the coals in divorce court. That's the predominant amount of content that's out there. But I know plenty of guys like me to where, hey, I've never really had the, this these issues in my life, but how, how do I dial it in? I guess uh, undoing the F boy vibes. Yeah, I, I would say like that's not the majority of men. I know where you're coming from. I, I'm in that situation too, but I think like, I, I, I could tell you, like you said, you, I what can tell from your I can tell from your vibe. Girls can tell too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking you're probably in that situation. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. One thing I've seen that people deal with, like, don't deal with baby mama drama. I'm like, <laughs> I just don't, I just don't have that problem. I, I haven't can't. gotten close to that. <laughs> I'm like, I just can't relate. <laughs> yeah, they don't even come under the radar for me. I mean, every now and then maybe a single mom like slide through the house, but I I've never I I don't think I've ever had, oh, you got to pay my baby's bills. You got to pay for a babysitter. Oh, what am I going to do with my kid? I've never had that happen. It's usually where we've been hanging out for a bit. And then she says something along the lines of, hey, I really like you, but I should let you know I was married and I have a couple kids. And you know, I'm not looking to do the casual thing forever. And I do want something longer term. I know that's not, not, not what you're looking for. That's usually when it comes up, but they never spring it on you. Yeah, I've never had that situation. What I will have is a woman after a few months of dating room, they'll be like, so where do we stand? And so they yep. kind of give you ultimatives, either they're going to leave or they're going to stay. So I've had that happen to me a lot. That's that's what I would face. But that's not what they're talking about on the Internet. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of those girls in that situation, they, they, they kind of come and go because you will get the girl. She doesn't want to be one of your plates forever. A lot of girls do want happy, healthy, long term relationships. So I'll say something along the lines of, hey, you know what? I'm glad I'm glad you found the right one for you. I enjoyed our time. Thanks for the memories. And if anything changes, hit me up and. You'll be surprised. I told my buddy that today walking in the park. You'll be surprised. A lot of times they hit you up because they yeah. want to have a good relationship. But it, and it, it and it almost it's almost tough for them because then they'll compare all these guys to you. Like you're the guy she wants, but she knows that you're not gonna lock her down because that's not what you're looking for. So mm-hmm. she'll try to find that in someone else. And then when they just don't live up to that, then eventually they they do come back. So a lot of especially longer term ones, I think the the first girl I ever hooked up with in Mexico almost 20 years ago. Uh, she, she, she does that when she's in town, we still hang out. We're good friends. I've known her. I've seen her on and off for almost 20 years now. So like, I know her as a human being, as a person, and she knows I'm not going to marry her. She knows I'm not going to put babies in her and she wants that for herself, but she has that comfortability or that familiarity factor with me. So whenever we, whenever to this day, whenever we, we get together physically, it's like worlds collide again. And we get to, we get to see how each of us have evolved in the various aspects of our lives. And we just come back together, almost like a check-in type point, but the relationship picks up right where it left off. Some of yeah. my, some of my best relationships are that way. Yeah. I've noticed that too. Like even if a girl gives you ultimatum, sometimes 50% of them might just leave, but a lot of times 10 months down the line, they will come back. Like I've had a chick they saying will. like, I missed you. Let's get back together. I'm like, no, I'm still not looking for nothing serious. And she's like, well, um, I have a boyfriend now, so I don't even care. So I'm like, well, you had a boyfriend the whole time, but you're still hitting me up. But that's just one case. But like, I've seen that happen a lot where women still come back and sometimes you can still do your thing if you want to. I try not to go too much back unless it's a, it's a girl I really wanted or really liked her, but I see a lot of times you come back. Yeah, absolutely. And I think once you start, 
stop allocating. Well, I think a lot of the content out there, um, I think it puts guys in a negative headspace and girls can feel that. So maybe you're doing everything right on paper. You're gaming, right? You run your sequences light. You're doing, I can not use canned lines, but maybe they're, they're getting their lines, right? They're executing correctly on paper. It's like an NFL coach. Like here's the playbook. They're executing the plays correctly, but they just don't have that fire in the belly. They don't have that fierceness. They don't have that forcefulness. And they're just on, on paper, strategically or tactfully everything is perfect but they're still not getting the results and i think a lot of the content out there puts puts guys in a negative headspace to where okay well i'm the man now i have the status i have the money i have the body i have like why aren't girls throwing themselves at me and i noticed for me like once i just stopped caring it's like all right like i'm just have a good time i have a i can have a good time staring at a blank wall by myself Mm -hmm. once i got to that point then people just kind of pick up on that and then you start getting the right people coming towards you they gravitate towards you yeah, women kind of like people in general gravitate towards energy. So like one thing if I'm out, that people always say they call me energy. Like they gravitate me because say I just like your vibe and your energy. And like a lot of things, I think a lot with the content online is pretty negative is because one, I think negative emotion just sells and it's easier to put your blame on someone else than to put the actual blame on yourself. Easier to say after three or fours than say, yeah, I need to work on my actual social skills. I have a bad personality. I'm not negative. I'm a negative person. I'm not fun to be around. Then <laughs> that's harder to say self-reflect than after three or fours. Yeah. yeah I, I, it's funny. People always find, they'll always find a way to put the blame onto, onto someone else. And actually that being said, I'm going to go through some of these com- comments real quick. Is this live? I know this comment came in a while ago, but I, I don't like to interrupt the flow of conversations once they get going. So is this live? Yep, it's live. And then you can obviously watch it on replay. And then drop your questions if you guys have any more. Yeah, yeah, guys, go for it. Yeah, we can. It seems like you're you're, you're probably a, a social guy or a talker too. I can I can keep these going forever. <laughs> I don't know if you have any hard time constraints. Uh, what up? Great to see you. Keep up the grind. Yeah, dude, the YouTube game is a grind, isn't it? Tell me about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> feels like a full-time job sometimes. I think your channel is like 10, 20 times bigger than mine. Although my, my I'm, I'm trying out TikTok and I've, I've got some hits on TikTok already. And I had a viral video on Instagram the other day. So I'm trying out different kind of content platforms, but it's a grind. It is. Your channel is good. And you guys are also posted on the Men's Shrine channel too. Yeah. And then um, we can talk about this a bit later, but uh, I joined a co- uh, So I was one of the admins for a very large content creator in the space uh, for a long time. I was one of his top guys and a couple of us um, have since separated from that group over creative differences and then started our own group. So we want to kind of do more of the content collaboration type thing, still help guys out, level up in all areas of love and life and, and that whole spiel. But we have a lot of guys to where they want to get involved and actually grow the brand and grow the mission together. So I'm really excited to see where, where that goes. Um, and I'll, I'll do the pitch here as we start wrapping up. And then also too, like your, your new niche going to like Gringo guys, that I think the like I don't know if you call it because you're a passport bro, but that that mm-hmm. movement is blowing up crazy. I think it that's is. hotter than the RP movement or even like pickup. Like that that's movement. why the, that's yeah. why I'm pivoting, and I think yeah. I have a unique position because I had lived here 20 years before, went to school, learned the language. I speak it at a very high level, although I still have mm-hmm. kind of an accent. I notice on playback, but I speak at a very high level. I'm very comfortable in it, and then a lot of people don't talk about this. Like it's one thing to speak the language. But it's another to be able to, ma- to navigate the cultural landscape. Mm-hmm. So little things like, oh, I can't believe this girl did this to guys who are consuming red pill content in English. It's like, well, no, no, no. No one's talking about the cultural aspect or the cultural mm-hmm. element. Hey, I showed up on a date and she brought a friend. What the hell? Well, she's bringing the friend over like a safety type thing. But what you need to learn is how to p- potentially position that into 
a three-way type situation, which I effectively did on New Year's on New Year's Eve. But th there's some cultural type aspects of there that a lot of people don't cover. Or maybe you saw this in Colombia. Um, I'd show up for dates in Colombia, and the girl would give me a gift. Like, oh, this girl's really into me. It just turns out they're just into giving gifts in Colombia. And I had a couple girls that I really liked, and they mentioned something along the lines of. Well, hey, I, I always bring you little chocolates. So I go, nothing big, you know, two or three dollars, but little trinkets, some kind of little gift. And Jaren, I'm really offended that you're not doing that. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? I took you out to a nice dinner. Like, well, no, but we're used to just giving little gifts. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I now I've got like, I think I've got like a giant thing of little Hershey's sample boxes of chocolates that I just have little gifts queued up for. And that same thing for like the doorman, the cleaning lady. Uh, the people that deliver my food around the holidays, especially give them little gifts and stuff. That's kind of a, a cultural thing that no one really covers. Yeah. No one really talks about that, honestly, too. And I think one thing, yeah, no one talks about it. I think one thing about where you're transitioning to, too, you want to like be a lifestyle guy. Like uh, I see like a, one of my yeah. friends, he's in Thailand. He blew up off like just blogging with him and his girlfriend and like they blow, blow up fast and you can transition to like lifestyle things. So, Yeah. Well, it came down to, as I mentioned earlier, that the content game is kind of a grind to where yeah. I would spend hours on these live streams and other creators' channels in the private groups that I manage, helping guys. And I do like helping guys, helping guys going through things I've gone through before, but mentally that kind of put me in a place that I've over, already overcome. And then looking out my window, it's, you know, it's getting late here, uh, looking out my window and seeing the city moving and getting along without me where I realized, well, I was much happier in Mexico when I was in college because I was integrated in the culture. I was out doing stuff and meeting people. And I wasn't just the, the funny foreigner. I, I was making in, ingrains into my social circles and making friends and seeing the country and eating the street tacos and climbing the mountains and doing crazy shit. Uh, and I want to kind of get back to that to where, okay, I'm just going to live my life the way I want to live it. And then I'll document it and I'll show it and I'll share with people how to get to that point. Now, if they want to talk about dating, I can certainly do that. That's a big aspect of my life. They want to talk about fitness. I'm not a fitness influencer. There's plenty out there, not necessarily a dating coach. There's plenty out there, but I live my life on a very, on the very specific terms that I set out for myself. So now I just want to showcase that and show that and share it. So going back to like, it's tough for a lot of gringos to learn Spanish. I, I was really good. I picked it up very quickly. I went, I, I had my whole unique way of going about it. I didn't really study it the way the school told me to study it, but I learned it really quickly. So, well, maybe I can, maybe I can help share that with people. Here's a quick one. Anything that ends in T I O N in English, it's usually the same prefix. It's Latin or Greek rooted. It turns into C I O uh, a post or um, accent over the O N. So education, educación, information, información. You, you, you now have thousands of words that you've added to your Spanish vocabulary in 20 seconds. So like, that's how I learned the languages. I saw the similarities and then going back to what you said earlier, reverse engineer it. Yeah, that makes sense. So what advice would you give to someone who's trying to become an expat or move overseas? Or like, how can they go about that process? Um, yeah, I think it is a process, especially if you're back in the US, Canada, Australia, England, wherever you're watching from to where for me, I had to start downsizing my life. So mm -hmm. I got into the uh, lifestyle creep, which is very common in California. When I first moved there, oh, I want to be in W. Oh, I want a Porsche. I want to live in a penthouse. Oh, I want to live on the beach. And oh, I want to have nice stuff. And uh, I did that. I had the high cost lifestyle. So it took me about a year psychologically to slowly start. Okay. Um, for a quick one, I tagged all the clothes in my closet and realized that a lot of my clothes I wasn't wearing anymore. Tagged oh. all my clothes. And then for the next year that anytime I took a shirt off the rack, I would pull the tag off and then I put it on another side of the closet. And then I realized really quickly that 
most of the clothes I wore were like 20% of my entire wardrobe. So when a year went by, all the clothes that still had tags on it, guess what? They're getting sold at consignment stores or they're going to Goodwill. I don't need that. So I started downsizing my life progressively. I did have mentally mapped out the end goal for my exit date from California because my lease was up. So that's a very finite end goal. I knew I wasn't going to renew. I knew I wasn't going to stay in California. To where the closer I got to that exit date, at first it's like, well, I spent $2,000 on this TV. I need to get something out of it. To where at the end, just post an ad on Facebook Marketplace. Come to my house, point, name a price, just get it out of here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, so it started creating that momentum. But at first it was uh, the internal thought processes were, well, I really like that horizontal red striped shirt that looks horrible on me. Well, I really don't like it that much. I haven't worn it in the last eight months. So I just mm-hmm. need to get rid of it. And for a lot of guys, for me personally, it, 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 it took me a while to start to redo those mental thought patterns to just downsize my life, minimalize because – uh, I, I talked, I talked to a guy the other day and he said, Oh, well, I, I want to bring like, I want to bring a bunch of books down. Like, well, I mean, yeah, you could, but like just, or, or just keep those in storage and then get an e-reader or do an audible type thing. I, although I was big into vinyl collecting, I sold my entire vinyl collection for very little money, far less than what it was actually worth. And then now that I'm established here and I planted my roots here, I kind of want my vinyl collection back. So I should have taken my own advice for things that are really close to you. Put those in storage, keep with a family member, a trusted friend or someone like that because I'll, I'll, I'll go see a live act or I'll hear a song and it's like, oh, I have that album and it's a really good version or it's a really cool recording. And then, oh, no, I don't have that album. Some kid in San Diego has it somewhere trying to do like the DJ vinyl uh, record thing. So uh, th- that's probably the only thing I regret getting rid of. But like all my clothes I got rid of. I had two cars. I got rid of the cars. I don't even have a car here. I don't need a car. Um had some bikes. I, I did like riding my beach cruiser. I got rid of my bikes. I had an old school 1970s barbie pink schwinn beach bike got rid of that that was another one that was hard to get rid of still i wake up oh i wish i had that here because that was like the if you know the term peacocking from like earlier kind of dating advice from years ago it's like that that was a peacock bike and it was a nice bike it rode really well too so yeah there are things that are really hard to get rid of but once as you start to downsize then you reduce that mental clutter too going back to the car question in san diego we had street sweeping on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I don't know why um, I had a parking spot for my condo, but one of the cars had to go on the street and I always screwed up which side of the street it was going to be on. So I'd walk out as a $38 ticket. Now it's a $42 ticket. Now it's a $51 ticket. So that was just always in the back of my head. Damn it. Where's the truck parked? What side of the street is on when uh, the homelessness is getting really bad in California. So when it started creeping into downtown San Diego, okay, is my car parked in a nice spot? Okay. Yeah. It's under a bridge. It's well lit. There's a homeless encampment there. So, okay. Ooh, Ooh, uh, I had a high rise. So I'd look down, Ooh, a spot opened up and I'd run down and try to move the car to that spot close to the house. And that occupied mental real estate. I didn't want that. So, um, not only are you physically decluttering, but you're starting to reduce some of your mental processes and, and real estate too, that opens you up to the new experiences. And, uh, before I moved to Mexico, I was in El Salvador for a year working. So I was in El Salvador with a duffel bag. I really like high end audio. So I had an old school first generation Bose sound three speaker, works really well. Put that in a little tiny hotel room or an apartment and guess what? It fills the space. Yeah, it's not as nice as my high-end audiophile stuff, but I'm in El Salvador. I'm hiking volcanoes and going to surfing competitions and going down giant rainbow ways, slides that look like they're from Mario Kart 64. So I had to get rid of this mental noise by getting rid of my physical stuff, two of myself up to receive new experiences is kind of the way I looked at it. So I think that'd be a good starting point. It is a process. I mean, unless I see a couch behind you, unless you want to drag that with you, um, you know, eventually you need to have a plan to get rid of stuff so you can bring on new stuff. And for me, I don't, I don't want to bring on new stuff. I want to bring on new experiences. Yeah. 
I didn't even think about that decluttering. Like that's a big thing. I was the whole time I was thinking, huh? I've a I've like I have a shoe collection. I was like, I would have to put that in storage. I do not want to give that up. <laughs> yeah. Are most, are most of the people down in like um, Mexico, South America, like well, I would say like when I was in Brazil, most of the people I met were like digital marketers. Is that like most of the people in, in like Mexico as well or yeah, you have to have a remote first job. So that's obviously going to gravitate toward more towards the tech spaces, the fintech spaces, all the insert word tech, ed tech, fintech, insure tech, all of these trendy terms coming up. But yeah, it, it has to be a remote first job, um, whether you're a programmer or you're a software engineer. I know during COVID, all the jobs went online, so they're easy to find. I'm actually looking for another full-time job now they're not as easy since a lot of people want you to go back to the office but that, go, that comes down to branding and marketing and then okay how do i position myself i'm a expat who's lived off and on in mexico over the last 20 years i'm a guy who can speak spanish uh, i can get, help businesses come from the u.s market into the mexican market i've actually had mexican companies start talking to me on how to expand into the u.s market so i'm wow. starting to ironing iron in my niche in terms of what my offer is in my professional life so uh, do do that um I had a coaching client a couple months ago. He does something that requires him to physically be there. So he owns, he's not a janitor, but he owns a janitorial services company that's making him $30,000, $40,000 a month. So I asked him, is that something you physically need to be present for? Oh yeah, I need to manage the day-to-day -day operations and I'm required to go on site and I have to work with vendors and contractors and this and that and order supplies and like storage and inventory and all that. And, uh, and I asked him, I was like, is there like just a top dog or like some really young guy with the hustle mentality that you can train to take your job for you. And then maybe you fly back up quarterly. Maybe you have someone, uh, I know a lot of us digital nomads, our moms are our accountants for us. And so my mom retired years ago and she receives all the mail. She does all the legal correspondence. When I came home, she has them all. I was home for Christmas. So she has them all in files. I had a stack of papers I had to take to the notary and then mail off. So if you have someone like that, that can take care of the day-to-day -day correspondence, maybe physical papers or documents or things from the IRS come into the house, take care of that. But in terms of your business, is there someone that could just run it for you? And again, that was more just like the decluttering thing to where in his mind, he has to mentally let go that, okay, I have to turn the keys over to someone else I trust. So that's a that's an internal mental upgrade he has to go through before he can even get to living abroad. Because if he thinks, if, if he still holds that belief, I have to be here day to day overseeing operations, then you're not going to be able to do that. Yeah, it sounds like you have to know what your goal is and then work backwards. So that's what it sounds like when you're decluttering, you knew your goal was at the end of your lease, you're going to work backwards, declutter. And for him, he's probably, I mean, he can, he can definitely get someone to manage the business. But, you know, as a business owner, you probably don't want to let your hands off. You want to be as ball it's as your possible. baby. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely. Here, I'm going to go through some of, the, some of the more comments. And guys, yeah, be, be sure to leave your comments. Um, and I can put a, I can put a join link if anyone wants to come up. Uh, don't get stuck being called Pookie for four years like me. That, that's funny. Yeah, I didn't re I didn't realize what that meant growing up. So I had a girlfriend uh, and she was, she, she was ethnic. Uh, she wasn't black. She was from Polynesia. So mm -hmm. I thought Pookie was like a term of endearment. So I used to call her Pookie because I was a fucking idiot and didn't, didn't know what that meant. And then now as an adult, I'm like, oh yeah, the, you know, the, the more, yeah. you know. I want to get called Pookie online. <laughs> yeah, I, I get called. Yeah, I get called funny things online. Uh, the, the thing people say things to me online that they'd never say in real life, which is really funny. Uh, this is a great talk, in, indeed. Yeah, I'm enjoying this. We're getting up there quick, but if you if you have if you have time, we can uh, drop the the join link and get some guys up here with questions. I'm actually. Do you believe wanna, that I'm only going to be here for like ten or fifteen more minutes? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, we can start wrapping. Uh, do you guys believe that in order to change your life, you change your surroundings and environment, and use constant reminders of who you want to be? I, I'll let you field this one. 
Yeah, for exactly. So one thing, one thing about me, like I remember I was living like deep in Maryland, right? So if we're talking about dating, right? I realized like if I want to have more successful days, better to move to a major city. Logistics really matter at all, right? And so when I moved to that major city, that just transformed my dating life um, completely. And even moving to a major city, I'm able to connect with more people because I'm right down the center. I can just walk and talk to anyone I want to. I'm better gyms to meet more people. I'm just like-minded people. So leaving your hometown is probably one of the best things you can ever did. I remember one time I lived in Atlanta for a little bit, right? And I met some of my closest friends who were like my most successful friends. So that's one way to just transform your life. So your location matters. Okay. Yeah. And then I'll, so guys, I just, I just pinned, if you want to come up real quick, I did promise Q and a and the, the marketing stuff before the show. So, um, you said you gotta go 10, 15. So come up, just do a rapid fire question. Uh, again, I could, I can talk all night if you let me. So we'll, we'll have to do this again at some point. Um, sure. watch your, watch your lives a couple of years ago and started moving down to Mexico from Canada, been in Queretaro and San Luis for a year and a half now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's good to hear. Um, definitely reach out to me personally. I, I'd be interested in hearing that story. So we mentioned the rebrand of my channel. I want to start interviewing expats and learn more about their stories since everyone's story is not going to be the same as mine so i want to expand my reach my audience and then here very soon i i, I did some stuff on tiktok recently and it turns out that i'm attracting a spanish-speaking audience so eventually i want to reach out to those people and then start getting them up there and just having some really cool conversations you know outside of the, just the dating fitness lifestyle stuff but more the intercultural stuff uh, interlinguistic type stuff and and i think that'll that'll make for some interesting content at least it'll be interesting to me yeah, I have a friend who's an expat in Brazil right now. So he started doing what you're doing, like talking in Portuguese and making his own content like American and Portuguese. And he's been blowing up crazy. I can see. I, can definitely I think I'm going to start doing that. My first few TikTok videos, they've been in English. And most of the comments are like, speak Spanish, gringo. I was like, I actually speak it very well. So I recorded some in Spanish today. I'm going to keep posting it in English because even though they're hateful comments, it, it's picking up in the algorithm. So I'll get that going and then I'll, dro I'll drop some gems in Spanish. So mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, let's see. Have to be accountable to the man in the mirror. I'm dealing with my S is uh, I've got two years. According to doctors, it's me alone. Uh, yeah. Chris is one of my boys. Chris. Yeah. Let's, let, let's definitely talk behind the scenes on that. Um, it was good. Uh, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you know Chris? Yeah. Chris is all around a uh, great point on clearing out our mental closet. Yeah. The mental. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Clearing out your physical closet, you're clearing out the mental closet too. So uh, guys, I put the join links in here. We're, we're going to wrap here in a couple minutes. So if you have a question, come up real quick, rapid fire. We'll go through them and then we uh, we, we shall call it a show. Yeah, Joel, how Drop are you doing? So, so Joel's, up, actually, Joel's actually my roommate. Do you have a, do you have a question for, for Mr. What's Prince up, here? <laughs> so, dude? Yeah, I can hear you guys talking in the other room. So uh, <laughs> good to meet you, man. I think I found my, my doppelganger, 29. <laughs> So about 170, I've been bulking with Jaron. A uh, question for you is how did you transition from, and I don't even know if you were in the category of like a nice guy, but mm -hmm. what was that transition like from just like a normal dude to the F boy? Yeah. So I was definitely a nice guy back in the day. Definitely a nice guy. I think it's kind of similar situation to like, um, to like Jaron back in college, I kind of had like that status, right? So I was in the fraternity, but I and I was an athlete, so I was able to actually see like how women kind of act, like okay. women kind of act like they would do crazy stuff, like oh my god, I have a boyfriend, don't tell no one, or like um, she would crazy stuff, like you kind right. of like see the other side. So from then, I kind of like realized like oh, you don't really have to be so bitter, um, so nice, so much of a nice guy. And I kind of realized like mm -hmm. I'm not like having some more edge being a fake toxic kind of like an f boy kind of like 
helps you out because that's what they kind of secretly like. So now like is like toning it back now. So being a little mixture of both being like a, a F boy as same way as being a nice guy at the same time being a nice guy. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it sounds like what you're saying is like, you have to kind of go to the extreme and then come back a bit. Yeah. So like you're like in harmony almost. Yeah. I think everyone kind of has different stories too. I think a heartbreak also helps helps with that too. Like, so I've got my heart broken a couple of times too, which made me go to the extreme and then I came mm-hmm. back. So yeah. What, what about you? Are you being, do you seem like you're being a nice guy now or uh, you're, find that <laughs> you're in the transitional phase? I, I mentioned earlier in the show, it was like, Hey, I was talking to my buddy or my roommate in terms of how to start to embody those F boy vibes. You can still be a nice guy at heart. I think. Cause like I'm a nice guy at heart. I'm a good person. I treat everyone well. Unless people toss shade at me, and then I usually just ignore them. But sometimes I, sometimes I like to get get in the mud and wrestle with pigs. I mean, sometimes it's fun to banter back and forth. But usually, usually I have other stuff going on. But uh, in terms of yeah, how to like that transition from okay, I think there's nice and there's too nice. So how do you go like how do you go from too nice to more of the f boy vibes without going too hard into asshole territory? Yeah. I yeah. Think- Prince, I just I just had a breakup. So just like you said, so I was Jaren and I were at the park today. And I was just like, you know, like, this is like the, like the first week I've like just been chilling, <laughs> like kind of that pain's gone away. But it made me realize I have to kind of step into this new territory mm-hmm. or else I'm just going to continue getting the same results. So it, yeah. definitely a, a blessing in disguise for sure. It's definitely a blessing. I think another thing, too, that helps, too, is kind of like because I was talking about earlier, I think appearance kind of helps, too, like having like just showing that you have some edge so then they have kind of somewhat have a pre-qualification that you have some edge so you can tone it back okay. down. So i talk about like the leather jacket kind of puts you edge um earrings beard that kind of puts mm-hmm. you at edge like a picture okay. of a bike that kind of puts you edge so like if if you if um if they really pre-qualify you as that and then you have a little bit of edge on a date you can like pre-tone it back so i think a lot of women already perceive me as that yeah right so that- helps yeah like when you're when you're fit like you automatically kind of fall in that category like it's like it's, i was just th- i was just thinking that yeah your edge is having nice broad shoulders and a filled out chest and a narrow waist and defined legs that that definitely helps yeah i, I used to be a fat guy and uh it's much easier when you're fit let's just say <laughs> like it's it's infinitely easier yeah definitely i think so i think the beard helped me too also yeah. Oh, same, yeah. dude. I, yeah. <laughs> I think that too. And I actually have good features on my beard. I have the cleft in my chin and I have the, the defined jawline. But uh, years ago when I grew the beard, I asked girls I was seeing, hey, do you prefer me clean shaven or beard? And unanimous, unanimously, they all say beard. And every yeah. now and then I'll show them a photo of me without a beard because I, like I like my features. A lot of, some guys may grow beards to cover a weak chin. I have a very strong, prominent, defined chin. But everyone overwhelmingly says I look better. Yeah, with the beard. Yeah, you can't really see it here. You guys are lucky bastards. If I get a beard, I look like a freaking Jay Leno chin. (laughs) One thing you got the—I think the earring gives me some edge. I don't have my earrings in now, but I have like false earrings that definitely give me edge. F four earrings. I I wore them in college. I had my tongue pierced in college too, and I I played guitar. So now I play rhythm guitar and sing now. But in college, I played more kind of like lead guitar, and I had the tongue pierced and played sports. So yeah, I think that added to the edge also. You have tattoos? I think no, I don't. I don't have any, but I know that would give me crazy edge. I'm not getting them. But. I know it would. Yeah. I've never been a, f- I would say I'm a fan of tattoos on the right people. For me, it just, I, I'm really weird about my skin. So I don't like things on it. I don't really wear jewelry even either. I'm kind of, uh, I don't want to say hyperactive or OCD, maybe a combination of both, but I don't like things 
touching me, if, if that makes sense. I think the jewelry has some edge too. I have the watch and not be wearing some rings too. I think I think the edge is a lot of appearance also. Because I, I have a friend, right? He has the tattoos, he has the build, he has the beard, he has the cut, right? The F boy high top fade F boy cut, right? And he when he wears his glasses, even with all that, he looks like a nerd. But as soon as he takes off his glasses, he has the edge. Like he's having a problem right now with women automatically thinks the F boy and he's trying to tone it down. <laughs> Dude, dude, chicks can do that yeah. too. Like I was telling Jaren, like my girlfriend, she, when I met her, she was like, she had glasses. She was kind of like a nerdy look. And now like she's got rid of the glasses and she's hot. <laughs> it's like, it's like, damn, <laughs> like, it's crazy. Just, yeah, the chick I'm dating, she had she had big glasses. But when she took it off, she looked good. But she just got the laser surgery now. So I'm like, oh, uh, okay. Perfect. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, dude, thanks for the the answer, man. And uh, you know, I, I do some work with Jaren here, but would love to have you on my podcast if you're ever down for it to just talk about dating and stuff. Um, sure, one more question. Awesome. Uh, one quite more question for you. Do you yeah, I was gonna say drink? Joel asked some more because I don't think I, I don't see anyone else in the backstage. Oh, so sweet. sweet. How old were you when you no, I'm just kidding. Uh <laughs> how <laughs> do you drink and stuff? Like what's your how, how do you use substances or do you go party or do you pretty much clean? Well, I so a lot of times when I was learning my whole like learning game and self-development. I was going through that phase of partying, going out every single weekend just to have that liquor courage. So I was doing that a lot when I was 20, like early 20s, probably up until like 26. But now okay. now for the past year, I definitely toned back on my drinking. I don't even go out as much. So more time I'm meeting women through social circle, online day naps. I still mm -hmm. go out here and there, but I'm not drinking as much because, I mean, I can see the direct correlation on my, on my body. Like mm -hmm. it's hard Drink. to- Drinking gets in the way of my game too. Cause I used to do the liquid courage. Like and every now and then I'll have a girl come through. Oh, do you don't have any alcohol? Like, no, I don't have any alcohol in the house. Oh, I need like two or three beers. Like, okay, she needs to drink to get warmed up. Red flag. But I used to be that guy. Like, I need that liquid courage to now. If I like I do go, I do go out and throw them back with the boys every now and then, but I get sloppy, man. I'm I'm I feel like I'm fine in the moment, but looking back girls I should have closed or numbers I should have gotten or whatever, or just the way I manage the night, even if I'm not talking to girls, it's just, I'm not on, I'm not as crisp. I'm not as sharp. I'm not as witty. Yeah. I'm not as charming. I'm just kind of slurry. You delayed too a lot. Of yeah. Times. And then the one thing I say that when you rely too much on the liquor courage, when you want to go meet people during the daytime is definitely a lot harder. So, and then it's hard to keep a six pack as you get older why you still drinking? <laughs> yeah. Why are you drinking? That's yep. the one. Facts. Yeah, and then if I drink the whole next day, I'm I can't even work. Cause have you yeah. started getting two day hangovers yet? I think at 27 I started getting those. Maybe maybe that'll lay off until you're 30 or so. But eventually you get to the point where you get two day hangovers. Oh yeah, I can, I can barely do one day. <laughs> yeah, one day sucks enough. What I have noticed though when I drink that uh, I learned this I learned this trick years ago in San Diego that a lot of times. A lot of people day drink there. So you get up at maybe 10, 11, 12. You start drinking early. You, you pace yourself. You're like, I don't do the shots or beer bongs or any of that shit anymore like I did in college. But you pace yourself. So you get a good buzz. You maintain. Once the sun goes down, it starts getting cold. So seven, eight, nine, you, you're done drinking. And then by the, time it's, by the time you're going to bed, okay, yeah, maybe your body's affected because you drank all day and you got some sun. But the alcohol is not in your bloodstream anymore. So that's kind of the trick I do now. We Joel and I go to a lot of rooftop parties. So I'm done drinking by six or seven. And if I'm in bed by nine, 10, 11, like my body's not spending those rest hours processing alcohol. It's just, it's just getting rest. So I don't wake up hungover when I do that. Yeah, that makes sense. I hate, I hate being drunk during the daytime though. Cause I feel like my whole day is gone, but like that's smart. Uh -huh. I just hate it. 
Uh, what about you, Joel? Are you, I see you still, um, are you, you fully sober right now? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, I, in college I was like, I, I stopped drinking at like 22 and oh, wow. I was in a fraternity oh, as well. Uh, I'm 29, I think <laughs> almost 30. So excited. I heard that part about hitting 30. So I'm stoked yeah, for that. Well, yeah. So I was in a fraternity as well. And I just, I was like the guy that like, wasn't cool when he drank, I just got like depressed and anxious and mm -hmm. like, I just wanted to smoke weed. So I actually like didn't start my game journey until a lot later, until almost like a couple of years ago. And so my whole journey has been sober. So I actually only do cold approach. Uh, I built a profile, a Tinder profile this last week and Jaron helped me a bit. And it was like two days I bought platinum. I had zero matches. It's like in, in the biggest city in the world. So there's something wrong with your profile yeah, because like I've, hung, I've hung out with guys that I don't know how to say I don't know how to say that. I'm not I don't mean this to, to be offensive, but I've hung out with like some pretty gross guys. Like I don't hang out with them, but I've had pretty gross guys pull out their phone and show me the matches of the girls they're they're hooking up with or whatever. Um, there's a name we throw around here at the house. I won't ever disclose anyone publicly, but there's an inside joke between Joel and I of a, of a guy we know here, periphery to the social circle, and uh, he he gets matches. So I think there's something off with your app. I've never seen that before towards yeah, zero never, matches, especially, especially if you start off, you get that that new boost because yeah, get the boost yeah the way tinder works they want you to be on an app so they're going to give you like a, a boost high in the beginning i used the free boost <laughs> it was like a 30 minute boost and just absolutely nothing so uh i actually think it's a blessing though because i love cold approach because yeah, like, you you do well with cold cold approach so it yeah. should mirror your your real life you do mm -hmm. well with cold approach but get zero matches on tender i do really well on tender i don't cold approach as much as you but when i do i normally i normally do get the number yeah yeah. I think honestly, cold approach might be harder than online dating. I, I think think most people thing. have way more success on online dating than they will on cold approach. Just have to the share numbers. You probably have to approach ten girls just to get three, and then maybe one text back. So, well, on online dating, you know she's receptive to the idea. Whereas cold approach, most of the cold approach rejections, Joel and I get here, it's like, hey, I'm married, or I have a boyfriend, or. Or, or something like that. Hey, I, hey, I'd love to, but I'm not from here. I'm here with my family. Like my mom's, my mom and dad are right there. It'd be weird, you know. And, it's and kind of like they're they're standoffish, not because they're not attracted to. It's because they're they're just not available. Mm -hmm. And even some of them, like you guys were talking about earlier, like we we did a session day. I got like probably four numbers, and one had a boyfriend. Actually, so I got a I got a nice one after you and I split. I'll show I'll show you her. Oh, nice. I'll show you oh, yeah. her here in a minute. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> and I just like hit her up. So I'm like practicing a little bit of that. I'm just like, hey, I'm hungry. <laughs> I want to join me. <laughs> so I'm just, like, even though she said she had a boyfriend, I'm still trying to like, you know, break that like guilt factor within myself. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you know, I, I like cold approach. And what's really helped me is the London day game model. So oh, it, it's, people still do that? Yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> dude it's, I was in Poland recently and like the guys that like created it, like were there and like we hung out. And, oh, for real? Yeah. You know, yeah. He, got, he got nuked from YouTube, right? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Tom. Ter I don't. I mean, I can see a uh, Tom, Tom Terrero. Yeah, I think yeah. so. One, one of the yeah so sounds familiar, but yeah, yeah, they like. I mean, they they overdid it for sure, and they're like starting back. But basically, like, it's it's been a practice, and I find it's nice because I can hone in on the the women that I really am attracted to, mm. and like it's like a rush too, because like you're just like fuck. Like I was telling John, it's like it's like you finish the approach and you feel like a man. <laughs> it's like, okay, I did something that was like terrifying, terrifying. Especially and, when they go well. Like I had one that I had one that went really well yesterday and she, she was, she was gorgeous. 
And yeah, you feel like the man. I already felt good for my workout. But afterwards, you're like, I, I, again, as the Cuban actress I told you about, I didn't realize she was someone famous, but I held the eye contact, kept my pace, kept my cadence, moved things along, got some keno going, got her laughing, got her touching me. And, uh, and then I, and then I look her up on Instagram later in the day. I'm like, Oh my God, this chick's famous. Like I had no idea when I approached her, but I felt, felt pretty good about that one. Like it, it, it gives a, it puts a little pep in your step, you know, adds a little, little, now, little spark the, to your day. The game session goes good. <laughs> That's the best feeling. <laughs> right. I'll go see. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because on, yeah, online's just kind of copy paste, copy paste. I, I run the same sequences, and that's to filter them out, determine level of interest, and then mm -hmm. mostly logistics. And we, Prince, we touched a, a, upon this earlier, but one of the benefits I like for online game, especially if you're in a very large transient city, is mm -hmm. that you will get girls who are situationally available for quick hookups in yeah. that moment. So maybe in her hometown, and I, I know plenty of girls here. Joel, you've seen a couple like, hey, she's from she's from another state, she's from another country. But when she comes to Mexico City, she just stays with me. But in her hometown, maybe she's in a high-level position. Maybe she comes from an important family. She has a reputation she has to worry about. In Mexico City, it's like a New York, L.A., Miami, London, wherever, major global city. She's just lost in the crowd. No one knows who the hell this chick is. So she has no problem sliding in and maybe, okay, I'm, I'm outside of my hometown, my little tiny hometown where I work in the mayor's office and I'm very public and there's 6,000 people and they all know me. Now I'm just another number in the crowd in this big city. Like I can kind of let my freak flag fly a little bit. So in these transient type cities or big, big global cities where people come and go, you can get very quick Insta type dates or hookups or experiences. And I never call them Insta bangs. I always sell it as, um, as, as a weekend fling. And I like those girls too, because they'll usually spend two or three days with me and then and then it's done. So it's a fling. So I can have kind of that full boyfriend, girlfriend experience, but there's no expectations. There's no pressure to where it needs to go somewhere. Yeah. I think one of the biggest thing, I think location trumps game. I've always believed location's location. huge. Yeah. Location's way better. If you can say, Hey, I live 10 minutes down the street. You want to come back? That's always going to be way easier than, Hey, I live an hour away. Or if you're in a, if you're in a small city in Oklahoma, you're definitely going to have way more success if you're in New York or LA in the middle of the city. Yeah, I think location trumps everything. Yeah, guys, Wisconsin's pretty rough, so don't go there. Yeah. Rural areas, yeah, they're tough too. Oh, here we we, we got a we got a fun one. I, these people will never come up, uh, but you have the live link come up. I love trolls. I love stupid people. I love idiots because it's like, you know what I mean, Prince. You get to a certain level where it's like, okay, you shouldn't be dealing with those people, but it is kind of fun sometimes because it reminds me of where I was from. Like I used to be that guy, and like I'm not, like I don't know quite a bit. Look at us. I'm a nerd. I'm a dork. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes a comment, I will laugh at it. Be like, oh, this that was a funny one. Okay, that was a good one. But yeah, some are funny as fuck. <laughs> yeah, get, guys, guys, get creative. I mean, uh, so, someone left a comment. Uh, someone left a comment uh, a couple months ago. It said, uh, "Jaron has a ridiculously long face." And someone responded, "Hey, Jaron, why the long face?" And that cracked me up because in high school, people used to say that to me. Like, Jaron, why the long face? Like, I have a long face. Like, I don't. As far as I know, there's no facial shortening surgery. So, like, I, one, I don't care. But, two, like, that's just a funny thing to know. And it reminded me of a high school memory. Yeah, I remember one time I posted a video saying that um, guys get in a relationship and get fat as hell, right, because they start working on themselves. And some guy was like, this is not handsome and griddle. I had to look up the story. And basically, it was like, I think it was like a witch who just oh, yeah. someone and he blowed up or something like that. I was, I was laughing. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, you get some fun ones. Or we had a, every now and then when I put the link out there, we'll have people like younger kids usually, they'll try to call in and do a prank type call, which yeah, I'm owed that karma. I did, I grew up in the 90s before internet and all that stuff. We did prank calls all the damn time. And but first we were pretty bad. Uh, we, we thought it was really funny, but then we started getting good to where we'd get into character and we'd keep the, the thing with prank calls is like, keep them on the phone. But then it gets fun every now and then you get that guy that knows it's a prank call and they kind of improv with you. That's what I'm looking for. So guys, if you're going to, if you're going to shoot shit our way, be creative, be smart. Like obviously this guy here, they never have a profile picture. So you know, they're ugly. And you also know they're not good with chicks because you'll know how to banter. You'll know how to improv. You'll know how to do the yes. And, uh, type sequences or converse, uh, maintain multiple conversational threads at the same time. So yeah, guys, if you want to throw a hate, get up here and do it, but like, come on, you got to play with us, you know, be, be a little creative. You're being lazy there. Sometimes the hates like actually constructive too. Like I got one like a, about a year ago and they're like, dude, you do this annoying thing with your mouth when it, whenever you like swallow, you go, I do too. And yep. I was like, oh, okay, cool. interesting. So like, you know, I just let it be. And I was going to respond. I was like, oh, actually, thank you for letting me know. And he deleted the comment. But if you wanted to put that, I wouldn't have changed that in my videos. And now I like when I swallow, I go like I swallow quietly. I just did it right there. But I get the uh, thing. <laughs> people, some people say uh, I blink a lot and I, I've gotten that since I was a kid. But I have you can't tell because they're deep eye sockets, but I have really long eyelashes and they get stuck together. So me blinking is trying to pull them apart without me being like I'm putting in contact lenses. So I get things like that every now and then, but they're usually things, you know. Yeah. I used to say, right. A lot of my videos guys would be like, right, right. right. I say, I say like a lot. So I listen back to all of my live streams and make mental notes of what am I doing wrong? How can I improve? How does this compare to the previous one? And I think that's an effect of me living in California for so long. I didn't realize I was doing it. I used to not do it. I was on the radio when I was younger. I used to never say like is a filler word, but I've caught myself doing it more recently on YouTube. So that's just a concerted effort to where, and it's almost like a mental tick which I use like right there, but that was contextually that that was the place where it was supposed to be in that sentence. But like, you know, like, and then I was going to go to the store and then like, well, that's how people used to talk in California. So I think that just ingrained itself as a mental tick in my head. Whereas now it would be better to, rather than say like, insert a pause. So that's something I'm kind of working on now. So yeah, sometimes the the feedback is really good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I used to record myself when I um, would go talk to women, just to listen to myself back. It'd be so cringe. And now I listen to myself. But yeah. I'm, I'm starting to record in Spanish with my new rebrand. So in my head, I sound really good. But listening to myself back, I'm like, oh, is this how people actually listen to me? Yeah, I've Dude, heard that a lot. When I started my day game, I would record myself do approaches. Mm-hmm. and i, was I still just, record you I, I, I walk ahead and zoom in and yeah i've got i've got a couple of vids today i'll send this to you yeah, cool. <laughs> i always see it like 10 feet ahead you're just like get your camera i'm just like nice i pretend but like i'm texting it's up in my face but i'm, I'm getting the shot <laughs> but hearing your voice do it and i think it's a good actually approach if you're doing a cold approach because you do it and you listen back and you're like okay i didn't actually sound that bad and in the moment you might be looking at the girl and you might be like she's like giving me a weird look or she's really uncomfortable just because you're nervous and you're projecting that out maybe. And then you listen back and like, she's like, her voice is really friendly and she's at conversations actually like, okay. So it gave me a lot of confidence that like, okay, I'm not terrible at this. I mm-hmm. uh, just got to keep working on it. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then I before definitely- I hop here, the right thing, dude, I, I used to get so annoyed when people would say, right. I'm like, you're telling me like, why are you asking me if, if I'm, if you're right or not? And then I, I do it all the time. <laughs> <It's> yeah. Like, <laughs> 
I say that if if it's a if someone makes a stupid remark, then I'll say it in an exaggerated fashion. So I'll say, "Yeah, I know, right?" And <laughs> you're teasing. And then, oh, yeah. like, oh, so cool. And then, yeah, gone. That don't entertain that conversation. And the funny part about recording yourself. So, like, one thing, like when I'm coaching students in person, I always record mm -hmm. them, right? And so, okay. like, the, I think the London gay game model is like you do a little hook. I don't tell them to do a hook, but I tell them like be like five steps ahead. And like, kind of mm -hmm. like, like put your hand, like slap, hey, right? And then I'll show them and they realize like, hey, they just jumped right in front of her and the girl jumped back. Yep. But they kind of don't realize that until they see the picture. And I'll be like, uh -huh. look at how far you are from, look how you never kind of got closer, kind of, you never, totally. so you can kind of see that, you can see the eyes like, oh my God, this is how I look. Or like, look at you, have a hunchback when we talking, like the recording actually helps. I did that yeah. I, when Joel first came down. Um, I noticed that with my day game to where I'd get the IOIs, intense IOIs come up, but I came in too hot. I came out with too much energy to where I'm a, I'm bigger than most guys here. So I'm definitely bigger than the women to where I'm physically imposing to where I had to yeah. soften it up a bit. So come in, not as hot, come in, not as hard. Uh, I think the one Joel I got here, she was, oh, she was standing outside of a dermatology thing. And I asked her, Hey, do you work here by any chance? Oh yeah, I do. Like, hey, you know, the, the sun's been out quite a bit lately. You and I have been going to the park a lot and little sun kiss. I could probably, probably do for a facial. Would, would, would that be something you'd be willing to do? Oh, you can set, schedule an appointment. Well, I want to set an appointment with you. It's like, hey, actually, you live here a couple blocks away. You're here in the neighborhood. So a, a more of a softer approach. Whereas now at the pool parties, this works where, hey, I see you like what you see and I like what I see too. And I want to see more of you here. Give me your number. That one works for me, but that's in a social environment to where I kind of already have that status built in. Mm -hmm. Well, you can find a middle ground, I think, Jaren. Exactly. So like, I think what the London Day Game model teaches is to infer things. So mm -hmm. I used to do that. I always, always ask questions like, hey, like, what do you think about this, blah, blah, blah. Uh, or like, what do you do for, for your career? And what the London Day Game model helped me do is start to say, like, just start guessing. So like, you're a doctor, aren't you? And then, because girls like to be talked about. So <laughs> you start doing that and they're like, oh, okay. Like, how did you know? And it's like, oh, I could just guess. And it it makes it like, so one, you're leading the whole time. And the thing about asking questions is it's a bit of a taking energy, actually. Mm -hmm. So if, if you find someone that's asking too many questions, it's actually kind of selfish. And it's in a weird way. Um, maybe we can talk about that some other time because there's some psychology on that. But when you start just inferring things, like in your example, Jaren, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm looking a little tan. When are you going to give me a, you know, a free facial or something like that? So it's like, you know, you're, inf you're already inferring that she's into you and she's going to, you know, treat you i guess in, i'm, I'm in, pacing in the conversation because in my head and i talked about this in this digital dating course i did i know what the end goal needs to look like in prince i think this is the theme of this show reverse engineering so yeah. i know what the end goal looks like that's 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 her lying on her back eyes crossed she's huffing and puffing sweating like oh my god i can't believe how that happened and i've done that so many times that i know how to get it there but i'm in i'm in the early stage i'm in the first sequence so how do i start moving it along there so i'm planting seeds mentally to open those thought trains in her head and that's why i like the word inference inferring mm. things planting those seeds to her she's already going there in her mind without me having to say it i'm just leaving her breadcrumbs to logically take her to where i want this to go so i i do do that on my interactions especially running first dates and things of that nature and then my whole online game is really just pacing i, I mean from my description in tinder i tell her exactly what i'm looking for the exact experience and then in marketing we call it an offer a call to action so i lead with a call to action and then right. i just keep bringing it back to that yeah Oh, wow. wow! Now I, I do a little more subtle. I kind of do what um what Joe was talking about, like kind of making the assumption playful kind of stuff. 
Like, mm -hmm. um, oh, you walk fast, you must be a New Yorker. But I kind of tease, I'll tease her throughout the course of the day, but I won't tell her like my full offer, my full intentions from the gay. I kind of like- Well, that, that's for online. Because yeah. for online, and again, being, being in a city with so much population density, I get a lot of matches. So I want to filter them as fast as possible. Oh, okay, that makes sense. So, so like, is, it's a fun fit guy looking for a girl to da 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 insert whatever, take mm -hmm. a walk in the park, get a coffee, come straight to the house, serenade, whatever activity I'm looking to do. So that they kind of filter themselves out. Doing uh, that. Okay. Yeah, I kind of keep keep it a little more more open. Like for example, something you get a lot is like, what are you looking for? I probably just say someone I have a natural connection with, right? Instead cool. of kind of saying like what I definitely want, so they can kind of guess and make it in their head. But you might I want a wife. Huh? I want a wife. Yeah. Now, <laughs> marry me. What? Yeah. Game. Um, Game. <laughs> yeah. And a point you mentioned too, Prince, about like getting like, I noticed that too. Like a lot of guys will stand really far away and they'll be like afraid to get close and like like whisper in the ear or stuff like that. So I think that's great. Like the filming and then having them see that like okay, it's it's almost weirder when you're too far away and like. At first, you don't want to do that because you don't want to be like creepy, but it's actually more creepy to like stand really far away. It's like, it's like yeah. shows that you're afraid. You're yelling at them. Yeah. <laughs> I think you need like a, a, a good distance at first. So it's not like you're bumping into them, but you then you easily graduate into it. So if she doesn't move, you keep on coming. Yeah. She moves back, then you stop. So I think that's yeah. how you do it. You get the conversation, kind of get her eye eye. So yeah. yeah, I think there's a balance, but recording definitely helps. Yeah, I've I've met up with guys in real life in some of these men's retreats or groups to where they're asking me for advice on how to do better in more night game uh, social type settings. And as the guy's talking to me, he's up in my face. I take a step back. The guy take and and a, as I'm explaining to him how to be more kind of socially aware, I'll point out to them, "Hey, bro, you notice like we're two men talking. So if I take a step back, that's not an invitation for you to take a step forward. But uh, yeah, sp spatial awareness is huge." In my approach yesterday at the gym, I noticed that too. Culturally acceptable space is anywhere I think. Um, in North American cultures, it's 18 to 36 inches. In Latin cultures, they do get a little closer. So she was within my personal, at, at the exterior of my, ex uh, um, of my, yeah, at the extreme of what's culturally acceptable for personal space, she was right at the, at the edge of that. But mm -hmm. as we started talking, as we started going, I noticed that she was closing the space, which was, uh -huh. you, you notice these things. Those uh -huh. are good stuff. Yeah. yeah, most guys don't know that. I think that's that's yeah, most guys don't know it's like social kids. But I think another thing that's hard to teach is like I think when you're flirting, you kind of have to like talk at a rhythm, like like yeah, yeah, yeah hard to teach. Like, hey, I got you. I can't even teach it. Dude, but there I, it is. I, 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 I can hear it. Huh? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Because when you're nervous, well, sometimes it's easier to just talk fast. Yeah, and women are rhythmic like, and cyclical by their nature, and we we know what I'm referring to there. But everything's everything's interrelated in this universe. So, so that I think that too that a lot of times, I, and m most of my day game, um, you know, English is my native language, but I live in Mexico, so I do I do most of my game. I try to keep it in Spanish as much as possible, mm -hmm. and Spanish is oftentimes very musical language, depending on where you are in Colombia. In Medellin, they, they sing it. I, I I love the way they sing their Spanish there. Yeah. So I kind of do that too. I put. Put a rhythm in it there, there's a pace there's there's and something hard, you can follow yeah it's hard to teach that like it's kind of something they got in it or they you, don't you just gotta kind of discover it yeah you stumble into it and then realize after the fact that oh this works yeah or even like sales like 
I, one guy who I knew was really good at sales, he, he even taught me, like, you have to have your high notes, your low notes. So it's like they never kind of get bored and it's like entertaining in some way. Yeah. Well, even notice, for example, in this stream, because I've, I'm going to start interviewing more people too, because I got to the point where I put out enough content to where I don't really don't have anything new to say anymore. So I want to start having interesting conversations. But even the dynamic of this conversation, we're going, we're engaged, we're feeding off of each other. I've interviewed people before where, hey, so I got, got you started on YouTube. Oh, yeah, you know, I was working, I was kind of bored and figured I'd do it as a hobby. And then here I am. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> like, That's so I have to fill, I have to fill the space now, but it's a nice banter. It's a rhythmic dance. It's almost like, um, if you've ever played any sort of musical instrument, when you play with other musicians, you're feeding off of each other. And mm -hmm. I think that dynamic you have to create in the interpersonal dating type context. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a huge tip guys. Well, I actually got to run, uh, Prince. It was great meeting you, man. Yeah. Let's wrap. Collab right. soon. And, I'm uh, going to yeah, awesome. Awesome. I just followed you and I'm going to watch your content tonight because I think <laughs> a lot of those vids I think are going to help me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was like looking through your page. I'm like, I have to watch my older videos. <laughs> okay. My, okay. Older videos are more like heavy, like day game, dating kind of stuff. Well, it's still dating, but it's like different now. Oh, I've noticed your, okay. your newer videos, um, you, you pace them well and they, they're they're a little shorter because I like long form personally. I love these two three hour conversations like Joe Rogan. But I've noticed mm -hmm. your videos that you, you you do a good job pacing them. You you, right. you get the you get the viewer hooked, and then before I know it, the video's over, and then it goes to a next one. I don't even realize I'm watching multiple videos. It just plays through. <laughs> oh really? Oh yeah, that's what I was trying. Yeah. to do. I think long form is a way to do it, but I just I love long form. It just doesn't get the views, the reach that like my my TikTok shorts. Literally, I'm at. The, I think the other day I was in a, I was standing outside. Hey, I'm here. Uh, one thing you might not like about Mexico city, although I love living here is traffic is ridiculous. So make sure you leave early, allow at least a half an hour buffer. If you're going two or three neighborhoods over an hour, if you're going anywhere else in town, just to make sure that you arrive somewhat on time, although they're kind of culturally lax here. That video instantly got something like 10,000 views A video where here's how to conjugate the irregular verbs in the Spanish, simple iterative tense, 32 views. <laughs> I what I keep telling you, Jaron, is the long form is what gets the relationship with the Oh, the yeah. People, no, right? no. It's a content mix. Yep. Got to do long form. Got to do long form. Yeah. All right. Well, Joe, you've been yeah. here long enough. Uh, wrap it up. Where can Thank people you find you? What do you got going on? And then uh, oh, I guess he dropped. You, you guys have seen Joel on my channel. He's oh, what's up? Okay. Uh, so right University, check me out. YouTube, Instagram. I hope you get sober and change your life. <laughs> See you next right. stuff. Cheers. Peace. <laughs> and then uh and then prince yeah if you if you want to rap i know i know this went a little long uh what, where can people find you what are you up to and you know how can so, you help them? you guys can find me at prince o on youtube and prince o lifestyle on instagram so um you guys have any questions just dm me the word leads and i know you guys came from jaren's channel so like <laughs> i'm always posting that concept just content trying to help guys out but thanks for having me on jaren yeah thanks i appreciate you coming on i know for my channel too i need to get better at collaborating with more content creators because it is nice exploring new ideas and sharing experiences. And I think it just makes for better, more educational and entertaining. So edutaining uh, type content. So yeah. uh, my name's Jaron. You can find me Instagram at gringo guys. You guys probably know me from content I was doing previously. I'll still touch on the dating stuff and I love these conversations, but this is actually syndicated to a channel of a group. I started with other content creators in the space. It's still very small. So be sure to go over there and give it some love. The channel is called 
men of now that is myself and what are we now five other guys we have plenty of other content creators in the group and it's really just uh combining our resources to get the message out to help guys it's it's a grind to create your own channel especially if you're smaller just starting off so if you're in that position and you want to do some collaboration definitely check that out i will pop a banner on here now so the community is called men of now i believe at the time of publishing this, we're, it's at $75 a month, but we have an affiliate marketing play there. So you get 50% monthly recurring revenue commission on anyone you bring over and any sort of coaching services, dating or coaching services, digital products or anything of that nature you sell. So we want to make it more community driven. I've been a part of other groups. I've managed other groups. And a lot of times it's more it's more like a paid fan club of the content creator. Not saying that's a bad thing, but I wanted this to be member led and member driven because being in positions in those other groups before it's a lot of work but if we have dozens of us in here we're all doing it we kind of log in when we can if we have a collective of content creators hey we have a live panel coming on whoever's available pop on it's easier to find guests so that's kind of what we're doing there but still up guys build lives worth living and loving and level up in all areas of love and life in doing so so uh that's this group here the men of now community Definitely check it out. And again, I'm Jaron. You guys probably know me if you're on my channel. Uh, for Prince's audience, it was, a, it was a pleasure getting in front of you guys. I hope to see you around some more, Prince. I definitely enjoyed the conversation and uh, look forward to uh, continuing it in the future. Same. Thanks for having me on, brother. All right. Yeah. Cheers, everyone. Have, have a good night. All right. Peace. Mm -hmm.